0: On episode 46 of Pixel Guide In, we talk video game television. Which 16 bit system has aged better? The Switch gets schmuppier. Another new Pi? Six good dungeon games. New games for unloved systems. Winter is the time for Intellivision. Tim talks Britsoft. And our segues are improving.
1: Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pixel Guided! Featuring
0: Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew! Now, here are your hosts, Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman! Gobble, gobble. It's No Shave November. Gone are the ghouls and freaks of the night, and now we are here with Eric and his new facial hair.
1: Yeah, do you like it? The <laughs> No Shave November? I'm digging it. It looks
0: um tasteful. From,
1: looks- a, from a distance, though, because I have gray on the bottom, it, it gives me that weird, like, biker biker chop like it comes like this and it's just black up here So i looked at myself in the mirror from a distance i'm like i look like a biker dude but it, just because the bottom's grain blends in your albino from the chin down yeah
0: <laughs> well as we said it is november uh i think it finally feels like fall here in northern california it's chilly after the heat and the fires and now like tonight and a matter of two days it went from near triple digits to below freezing yep which is exciting.
1: As it happens here in this area, Northern California, there's like very, little, uh, there's very few other seasons other than summer and winter. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's
0: favorite is fall and spring, because we don't have them.
1: We don't really have them. We have them for maybe a week or two. <laughs>
0: golden Hills of California, which means it's dry <laughs> as heck.
1: Dry and on fire. <laughs> they're golden because they're on fire.
0: That's pretty much it. Uh, we have a great month worth of content again, Eric. Ooh. Uh um, well, here we are going to go ahead this episode and talk about six good games of what style dungeon style dungeon games whatever that means to you because i didn't entirely know what it meant nope whatever it means we'll be talking about that uh we have a little segment from eric you did a take for this episode i
1: did on video stuff so crts and lcd flat panels in use of with retro games specifically
0: not used with beer which is our other main topic that's right gotcha right. and then the next episode we have a uh, tea time with tim as we always do our buddy tim will be joining us uh, actually that'll be this episode i'm sorry that will be this episode oh it should be yeah because we're going to join tim live for the next episode in which we'll catch up and we are going to be doing our battle of the systems uh and this you will receive on november 30th i believe november 30th um yeah Which we are going to battle two first person shooter games, which I've been wanting to do for a while. So it's going to be Doom 64 versus. Exhumed? Exhumed is the British version, yeah. Exhumed
1: to make it one that works, but Power Slave, right? Power
0: Slave on the Sega Saturn. So all kinds of shenanigans, I'm sure, will ensue. Uh, But let's go ahead and start off the episode as we usually do with quick Quick Questions. questions. Quick questions!
1: This should be an easy one. Did you ever watch any video game TV shows like Game Master or Attack of the Show or anything on G4 which was a gaming network? I don't know if it's still around, is it?
0: No, no. That So that was the coolest thing. So when I was in college, um, when I first entered college, there was like tech TV. Mm-hmm. And they had just like nerdy tech stuff and then uh, there was some video game stuff on there and then they separated, made their own channel, G4, then they like, combined to become G4 Tech TV and then, anyways, it was a lot of video game stuff. And, um, I, I actually had a, um, a, uh, what do you call it? Something we did, a routine. There you go. Okay. Where every time on, I want to say it was Tuesdays and Thursdays, my, uh, now wife and I would come home from, from class and go to my little apartment and, uh, we would watch, uh, Attack of the Show. Yeah. Which was, uh, and, uh, Olivia Munn to this day is one of my faves. <laughs> I think she is just the greatest. Yeah. Um... And uh, we'd watch that, and then we'd watch Around the Horn on ESPN. Mm-hmm. We watched those two things while eating a Quiznos sub uh, because there was a Quiznos like right down the street we could walk to. <laughs> That's and that awesome. was like every, twice a week, like for an entire year we did that. But yeah, I, I loved uh, I loved that. When I was younger, there's like video game shows, but I could never like get up early enough to for them to be on or catch right. them. And they really were more like games with like four total like video game references, and they weren't very good here. Yeah. I know in England, apparently, they're a lot better, but...
1: Yeah, because I've watched some clips. The, the, so I'll answer this, because my answer is quick. <laughs> quick okay. as lighting. I never watched any of it. Yeah. Never watched any of it. I knew it was on, but I always had, like, one or two jobs and going <laughs> to school. So, yeah. like, I never had the opportunity to sit down and watch any of them. Um, but I caught clips of Game Master and some of the other... There was another UK show. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it had, like, three women hosts... But it was actually. I, I
0: really wouldn't even know. Yeah, so. it's
1: it was actually it's really funny and really good. They did skits all the time and stuff. Um, but no, and back in the day, didn't watch any of it. Yeah, nothing. It's I a
0: bummer. Of, it was a it, it was a it was a golden time, Eric, for video game TV when an entire channel was dedicated to it. Right. And uh, if you didn't strike while it was there, well, you missed out.
1: Yeah, and I, I, there's nothing like it on TV now. The mm. only things on now are like esports you can catch once in a while, which Ugh. I don't. Yeah, I don't particularly enjoy watching it. Not, not
0: my thing. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: but I'd love like a, a magazine style version of or a TV show which had a magazine style like reviewing games and yeah stuff like that. But there's just nothing on there now. Yep.
0: All right. All right. Uh, my question for us. Oh, okay. Um, actually, it's not my question. I'm a proxy. On our Discord, which you will learn about shortly, yeah. if you become a Patreon subscriber and support our show financially, you get access to our Discord server. But on there, uh, Lord Soup asked, uh, well, actually he mentioned that he says he feels the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. or Mega Drive, um, whatever you want to call it, has aged better than the Super NES. Do you agree or no? I know you prefer the Genesis,
1: I you but. know yeah yeah I mean I do um but has it aged better I I guess I don't I never view those two in that context
0: Yeah that's why when I heard that I was like he was very definite uh definitive about
1: it I can see why you would say that I I do think the FM synthesis music kind of um I don't know it sounds more for la- this is going to sound lame but it sounds more modern than the chip tune stuff coming out of the Super Nintendo so when you play those games, the sound to me sounds more modern, not better, but more modern. Hmm. Um But I don't know. I don't maybe because the games were more mature on the Sega. I don't know. I guess I don't feel I, I guess my answer is I don't. I don't think either one has aged better or worse than the other. Really? Okay. I think they're about even, uh, but I can see someone thinking the Genesis could.
0: See, that's crazy to me. To me, it's absolutely the opposite. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. To me, the Genesis plays like a higher resolution version of like an 8-bit system. It's just similar gameplay in most of the games. Uh, when it comes to the, the sound chip, the Genesis is using a... a sound chip it's using you know it's synthesizer, Mm or whatever you call it where the super nintendo is using these uh files that actually modulates the sound their sound clips Mm -hmm. so they have a lot of the games have these huge orchestral arrangements and they're very classically you know classic music oriented and they're just more grand and they sound more musical Mm -hmm. um but i think it comes down to the games and if you look at the genesis mini which is know a pretty darn good section of the genesis games versus the super nintendo mini the super nintendo one has all the modern tropes like rpgs games that you play for hours and you save and you get into or games where you have to practice over and over again strategize and um deeper gameplay and more gameplay and it's it's just um i think that is much more modern than the genesis which kind of held on to arcade ports which is here's a game you press start you you beat your head against it for 20 minutes and then you're done hmm. which i think is definitely more old school yeah so i just thought that was a weird uh, i don't know something to think about I'm not offended by it but no i don't agree with it at all <laughs> yeah i think it's a bizarre statement but i'm glad people have opinions
1: it's the blast processing it makes it seem
0: it's so modern that Same. blast processing <laughs> <laughs> well that is a couple of quick questions yeah and uh, what do we do once we finish quick questions eric
1: I drink a beer, I hope.
0: I think we drink a beer. Um, let's go ahead and let the viewers know real quick before we do that where they can find some information
1: about the show. Sure. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at DuhProject, D-U-H Project. You can reach the show at, at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Cody at, at oddball. Which is O D D B one one four nine. You can reach Tim at Sanction at S A N X I O N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com and we do encourage feedback.
0: We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, Everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And today, it's going to get a little dramatic because we're going to the theater. Coming this winter... To Broadway. Not the real Broadway like in New York, but you know, the Broadway you have in your little town that's kind of run down and dumpy. A theatrical event that has won awards all over your small community town. Pixels of Love. Starring such amazing local actors. As the dizzy Jim Tesser, the painstaking Henrik Volevel, the gleaming Gary Heather, the gammy Dustin Newell, the flowery Matthew Ackerman, the garrulous Daniel James, and the puzzling Josh Malone, you will be weeping at the antics of the capricious Eric Sankring the tight-fisted David Vincent, the systematic ten-minute Amiga retrocast, and the very well-made David Modalek. You'll be on the edge of your seats, with thin little bits of your fingernails falling to the floor as the anticipation grabs you. Because of the black-and-white Roy Fielding, the abandoned Mr. Toast, the ordinary Team Grey all the way, and the clean Maciej Sosnowski, bringing it home. We brought back out of retirement a few of your local favorites. The shaggy paradroid, the chili ramoke ramoquet, and yes, the keen Aunt Stellar. Alright. So we thank you guys so much for supporting us financially. Uh we actually just discussed it and uh even though we don't promise to spend your money on worthwhile things. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, I think we are going to replace the duct tape mic you are using yes. over there, Eric. Which yeah, is...
1: and the pop screen that fell apart right before the show <laughs> started.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. before we do that, let's spend their money on beer. Yes. Chili
1: glasses. Which
0: we proudly uh, advertise is what we spend most of the Patreon money on.
1: You are providing the first beer, so I will let you describe it.
0: I decided, Eric, that uh, enough is enough, and you don't need any more sours or hazies. (laughs) That's true. So I decided to lean back Eric's direction, which are beers I uh, also enjoy very much. I just have been on a kick. Uh, And this is a peanut butter stout, named exactly that, from Lead Dog Brewing.
1: Lead Dog Brewing, or is it Lead Dog? Never know. You never really know.
0: So what does it say? You like to read the cans. I do.
1: I want to. I'm interested in what they're saying. So you pour there. Brewed on the front yard of the amazing Lake Tahoe. Oh, Lake Tahoe beer. We took a great stout and made it into something irresistible. This stout retains all the notes of the chocolate malt and vanilla beans from our original. They use a really weird font. It's kind of hard to read. Something stout and combines a hint of delectable peanut butter to the aroma. We all love dessert, eventually, when it's been in beer form.
0: Especially or, when it's been... It's, beer, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird, like... Um, yeah, it's weird. Peanuts, uh, Charlie Brown font.
1: 6.6% alcohol. 50 um, but it, IBUs. It's encouraging. It says it's sweet, which I, I like sweet stouts. My mm, wife it, preter- prefers them a little... Uh,
0: smoky. Yeah. Smoky coffee, more than sweet and desserty. Correct.
1: And my favorite, of course, these are Tall Boys.
0: Of course. We get 16 ounces of freedom here. All right.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, peanut butter right up front in the nose. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is a dessert beer. So we went stout here for our first beer because it is chillier. Mm, I like it. You want to put some weight on? We want to put some meat on our bones so that we can warm up. Yes. Uh, and with of our course-
1: beard, with our rugged winter beard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. Uh, I am liking it, Eric. I think it's a good. It's a good thing for you.
1: I'm good to. Hear, I'm glad to hear you say that. I know you uh, tend to sometimes not like the sweeter beers. Yeah. Or dessert beers.
0: Yeah. No, that's. I'm. I'm enjoying the stouts. So, we drink
1: a lot of stouts in my house, so I. I love stouts and, really, whatever stout. It's hard to go wrong.
0: Well, let's go ahead and pick a rating scale and try to tag this thing down real quick. What are you feeling here?
1: Uh, let's do. Um, let's do. 500 EpiPens
0: <laughs> I love it Okay <laughs> Out of 500 EpiPens Which by the way On the on the black market That's about 1.2 million dollars That's a lot
1: of money We could retire
0: That's a lot of bee stings um, <laughs> Or diabetic fits
1: mm, I'm I like this one
0: I do it too actually it's It's been a while since I've had one Because I've been so Sour and hazy heavy I'm gonna go ahead And throw this down With a 453
1: out 453. of 500. 453,
0: okay. I think I'm going to go 470. Ooh, you, this, ooh, that might be your beer of the year.
1: Maybe we'll, we'll
0: have to wait and find yeah, out. That's a pretty high... That's high,
1: that's high praise. <laughs> <laughs> high praise.
0: All right. Well, there is the beer. That's a good one. Um, really right. quick, we want to go ahead and do our errata and feedback before we hop too far along on the show. Um, Tim sent this one. He said he's picking up on his own Tim mistake. Uh, when talking about Cody's visit to the Brewing Academy, which mm-hmm. we talked about last episode.
1: right?
0: right? Um, oh, he's getting all te- technical here. He said that the STF, the Atari, when we were talking about the Atari STF, was the basic model without the floppy drive. I was wrong. That's the STM. STF is for floppy drive. STM is built-in modulator. The most popular sold was the STFM, floppy and modulator. Sorry about that.
1: Say it in Tim's, in Tim's uh, thing. Say sorry about that. There you
0: go. Oh, that, that became uh, Australian yeah, yeah, it
1: again. Yeah, was Australian. That was That was Ant Stiller.
0: Sorry about that. I'm just going <laughs> to say, here's my best English accent. Sorry about that. All right? Is that better? That's better. All right. Uh, if I'm going to fall, I might as well fall short rather than three times head over heels.
1: That's it for errata, huh? That's um, pretty I got one more on oh, here. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Right, feedback.
1: Oh, so we did have
0: uh, someone. Someone let us know, and and Tim, if you should you will enjoy this. I hope um, they wanted to compliment Tim's tea time, Ooh. which has gotten much much better. Which had already started out very probably one of the best segments of our show.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, did did it go up in quality? It's always last quality. The last
0: one was hilarious. Okay, we did the uh, the he picked four games out of a box and played them. Yeah, absolutely. He threw in sound effects. Yep. He was energetic. It was fun. Loving that segment. Uh, so Tim even though you're about to be on the show and i can tell you you know live later well done sir we appreciate you um i think that's about it cool wow Wow. (laughs) (laughs) i'm
1: used to people uh, nitpicking us
0: tearing into us which we
1: love please i love it
0: tear tear away eric yep it's time for the news (laughs) All right. And as like we we like to say on the show, it's not always accurate, local, up-to-time news, but it's news to us, so we like to talk about it. Right. Uh, this first one is actually sent in to us by Glowing Rice. Ah, Glowing Rice. Little Glowing Rice. Um, and I would have found out a bit sh- uh, sooner or later, but Raspberry Pi 400 yeah. is well, not only coming out, but released. It just, like, happened. That's right. Which is freaking cool
1: what do you think about that
0: um well tell the tell the listeners what it is in case they don't
1: know sure why don't i read it right off the box what no i didn't buy the kit i just bought the because i had all the accoutrements oh my gosh that come with it so uh, you know i already had the power supply i already had the little hdmi adapter So I didn't need the kit, although the kit does come with the cool mouse that matches. It's a white and red. Gotcha, gotcha. But I haven't opened this yet. You ready?
0: Um, Let's do that in catching up in in two weeks, Eric. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think so, because we're in the news segment, but you have a little spec. So what is it, though? That's what people want to know. What is this thing?
1: Okay, so the Raspberry Pi 400 is basically a throwback to the good old-fashioned wedge computers like the Commodore 64, the Amiga, the Ataris. It's basically a... Keyboard with a computer built into it, just like those old ones. But so this, cool. This particular, in particular, is a Raspberry Pi four. So it's a quad core, 64 bit um, processor. It is, it has four gigs of RAM. So you know, there's an eight gig model of the Raspberry Pi four, but this is four gigs only for now. Which is a ton. It's just fu- a, a ton for Raspberry Pi. I don't. Yeah, it's, yeah. I um, mean, a Raspberry
0: Pi two could stream video. Well, a one could stream videos and stuff cleanly. Yep. This thing's infinitely more powerful, not infinite, but...
1: It has Wi-Fi, it has Bluetooth, it has a gigabit Ethernet port in the back. Um, It's got a GPIO header in the back, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, So you could plug in, like, your Pi hats for the Pi 1541 or whatever little uh, gadget you want to use. It has two uh, micro HDMI ports on it. It basically is a Raspberry Pi 4, but with the keyboard built in, and all the ports are in the back. In the
0: back. So... Ever since I started buying Raspberry Pis, in fact, I've got my Famicom I modded right here. Okay. Uh, That's always been my thing. I think a lot of people are with me. It's like, it's a small computer the size of a credit card. Correct. But to make it that small, all the ports are, like, coming out of all four sides. Yep. So once you put cords and power and Ethernet and HDMI, and you have to, like, bend all these cords, it's really, like, the size of a small, like, a soccer ball. Right. I mean computer is small but the 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 amount of space it takes to manage all those cables is enormous
1: now i think it is cool they still come out with they're still doing all the formats because yeah the raspberry pi itself does have its uses for like embedded projects like you want to shove it into something else or yeah a robot or yeah so it's a wi-fi box it's great it's still independent and it's still an independent thing that you can get but for me, any new wedge computer is, uh, it instantly has my interest yeah. if not my money. So So um, for so those I who on there,
0: for those who haven't listened to the show for the, for the entirety of our journey, I had always been wanting a Raspberry Pi wedge computer uh-huh. to the point where I was trying to figure out how to make one, and then we found one that did come out and it's kind of a nice big blocky very similar in in size to uh I would say almost a Commodore 64, a little skinnier. Yeah, but kind of bulky and blocky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works pretty well, but it's not perfect. Um, and it basically routes all those things inside the Raspberry Pi two ports in the back. Yeah, and does most of what we're talking about. Right. But it's kind of cheap. It's not perfect. Um,
1: one advantage though that old one has is the trackpad on it. That's pretty. It neat, does have
0: a trackpad on it, which I find handy, like Very especially cool. in
1: things like an Amiga emulator, because you can use it as the mouse. And um, I turned
0: mine into a Pico 8 only machine, which is what I wanted it for. Yeah. However, I've also been wanting a Raspberry Pi
1: yeah.
0: 4, the new one, mm-hmm. and this is essentially the Raspberry Pi 4, the new one, but kind of disassembled, I'm guessing, into a way where all the ports are just out the back. Yeah. So by becoming slightly bigger, it's actually smaller to me, for my purposes.
1: Right. And I watched a video. It They really just made a whole new PCB motherboard that is long but also has the heat sinks built into the shield. Oh, so cool. So it is quiet and cool. So it runs quiet and cool. So you could run this thing all day and not have to worry about putting heat sinks on your, on your little processor inside your Raspberry Pi or whatever. Um, I love it. I still to use both mine for just day-to-day stuff, but this one I think is really cool for the GPIO pins on the back. I think it's going to make a big difference. So. It's neat.
0: All right, I'm excited to see that thing open, which will happen yep. in two weeks, in two right weeks. here on Pixel Guide. In that's going to be cool with Tim on. He gets to enjoy it with us.
1: Right on. Um, if he doesn't have one, which I know, right? He might.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that was that was my first topic. So, Eric, yeah. how about? Wait, wait. That, we got to do our segues again. I enjoyed the heck out of it last <laughs> time. So. Um, <laughs> Raspberry Pi is a great little small entertainment device, and so is the Evercade, isn't it,
1: Eric? It definitely is. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And this is just a real, real brief news article that there is a new firmware update to the Evercade, which is moves it from 1.2 to 1.3. What does that do? What does that do? It, there's a ton. Um, there's a link in here if you want to pull that up to look at exactly what it does, but mm. I don't know. One thing it doesn't do... Is that it still doesn't do custom mapping of your buttons? That's the, the main thing which I, I want. I know you're you're looking for, and I do see that um, other people on the internet have been calling for that. So I'm not. It wouldn't surprise me if that shows up someday. Yeah. Um, now it it is in individual games. You can remap stuff if the game supports it, um, but. Basically, this just improves a lot of... um see a
0: lot of... There's like nine different fixes for little buzzing and audio issues and little resolution bugs, little tiny things like that. Yeah. Something about the German language option. Yeah. Uh, but then it's got some features here. Um, mostly performance boosts, it looks like. Yep. Fixes um, some
1: of the games, the way it works, and uh, maximum brightness. Um, the critical battery alert's a big one. So like when your battery's at 10%, the, the green power light will flash. Okay. So that that's handy because you don't you, you know the little battery indicator is just segmented into three three parts so you really don't know it's a big drop from that from the one third to zero so it's nice that when it's at ten percent it starts to blink yeah. um, so there's a lot of really nice w- the one thing encouraging about this whether you can use any of these fixes or not is that they keep working on it yeah they're tweaking it they're working on it and I really do think they will get around to being able to do custom mapping of your buttons someday.
0: Yep. There we go.
1: Yep. Button mapping firmware fix. But I did flash mine. It was an easy process again. You flashed yours, right? I
0: did it the first time to, to yeah, 1.2. So yep. I'm sure I'll do it again um, very shortly. So that was Eric's last uh, topic. Eric, who, of course, is the father to Clover.
1: I am, um, yes. Speaking of I which, my daughter Crimson Clover, yes. a game which we Good both transition. love,
0: uh, just came out on the Switch.
1: Yeah, I love this game. It was one of the first Steam games that uh I played a ton of uh and it's still in my library and I still install it on every machine that I have for uh the you know, every PC I have that has Steam on it. I this is one of the first games I always install. I love yeah.
0: that. So it's a it's a modified version, so it is unique, mm-hmm. so I will be buying it again. Uh and it's called Crimson Clover World Explosion or World e- Explosion, if you will. Um So I have not played the Nintendo Switch version of it yet, but like you said, I mean it's just this like massive overload of points filling the screen. And uh, but what I love about it is it's even though it's got a crazy amount of bullets and points and modifiers and things flying everywhere, it's almost overwhelming. Um, It's also I would say easier on the difficulty level. It is. It's a manic shmup that makes you feel good. That playing schmups
1: Which, as you know, a lot of those are so punishing, they're just not fun to play. You get to a point where you just, you're throwing the controller in disgust. This game's not like that. It's very mellow. It's kind of the game I go to to just kind of mellow out.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's and then turn up, crank up the volume, because it's just, it's yeah it's cool to be overwhelmed by everything. And, uh, you can, but it's not a short shmup. Like, a lot of shmups, you know, you'll get on there and play for 10 minutes, die, and be like, whew, that was fun. Yeah. This one, you can go, like, 45 minutes on... You Know a, one of your first few playthroughs and uh, still be playing, but highly recommended. And I've heard the Nintendo Switch version is excellent. So. Oh,
1: good. Oh, uh, does it? Do, did you read if it does, does Tate mode? I did not look into that. Well, don't worry about it. I'm gonna look into that because if it does, I'm getting it. Because well, I'm getting it
0: regardless, but okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, okay. Well, I have it already, but I, yeah, you're right. I should probably grab it on the Switch. That'd be a fun platform to play it on.
0: Do you know if they have clovers in England? Like, is that a thing in England? I think it is. I know Clovers are in Scotland, so I know they're in the UK.
1: They are. And speaking of the UK, Tim. Tim has our next one. I can't do his accent. I'm not even going to try. Well done. Well done. Picking (laughs) up on that, Eric. That was great. Um, I'm not going to do Tim's accent, but this is an entry from him. ZX Spectrum next gets second, third chance to purchase... Yeah, that's s-
0: crazy. I just learned about that.
1: Yeah, after the second Kickstarter ended, smashing previous records, the ZX Spectrum Next crew have added the chance to purchase the Next Direct from their web store before production begins in January 2021, starting at 300 pounds for the Plus and then 329 for the Accelerated. And that is at specnext.com shop. Um, I did read about this on uh, on Twitter. I was just reading some catching up on Twitter, and I I read that, f- and it, it you got to jump on this. It's for a limited time. It's not going to be up forever. But they have, I think they've allocated X number of Spectrum Nexes that you can just order from the web shop. And once the Kickstarter's fulfilled, they will ship it out to you. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I was trying to find this Tate thing, but um, it does not look like it is from what I can tell. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the Spectrum Nex is wicked cool. And the fact that they are breaking out of the Kickstarter only thing
1: I, I i i so wish that i don't mind people starting with kickstarter but once you have a product that you funded and shipped and you have a little profit from that mm-hmm. just sell it yep i'm tired of round two kickstarters round three and this and that just sell it
0: I, I i agree i feel like once you get the r&d that you're paying for the r&d yep and once it's done right you've got a proven concept and product in the wild sell it
1: sell it. <laughs> Do you know what games you um, could play on the Spectrum next, but is now available in a modern format? Uh,
0: you might be speaking of, like, the Dizzy games. Yeah! Alright, so uh, there is a new Dizzy game that um, has been announced for the Switch for a while, yeah. and I used the word, the word new in quote, air quotes. Um, they, uh, according to Nintendo Life, the Oliver Twins, who made all those Dizzy games from the, yeah. from the old 8-bit computers, um, revealed that uh, it's not... They're calling it a new game, but it's actually a remake of Fast Food Dizzy. Okay. Which is on, I think, the uh, Evercade collection. It's, I think, the little uh, puzzle game. Oh, okay. Um, so, it's, um, what's interesting about this, though, it's made with a program called Fuse for Switch. Okay. Which is like a Switch programming tool that you can actually download on the Switch store. Like the e I didn't know that. And I guess Oliver Twins used it to remake that game. I don't I think it's more of an ad for the development tool than it is for the game itself. Yeah. Um but we have a link if you guys want to check that out. I thought that was kind of interesting, but interesting. Um, Yeah, the Oliver Twins of course being uh some of the heroes of old British microcomputing. Um, yeah. But some would say that they are no more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good that was a pretty You're good like, transition. That? No More Heroes is available now on Switch along with No More Heroes Two. And No More Heroes 3 is coming soon. And we have a link in the show notes that will show you that. Did you ever play No More Heroes on the Wii?
0: I think we've talked about it. I have both of them up there. Okay. But I have never put them in my Wii yet.
1: I never had them for the Wii, and I've never played them. But I've watched a lot of game footage of them, and it looks like it could be a really fun game.
0: It' Cool little stylistic... Um,
1: Almost beat-em-up, kind of 3D beat em up 3 d yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of. Um Hard yeah, I've heard they're
0: great. A lot of people consider them some of the top Wii games.
1: Yeah, and the, the cool thing is that you can use the controllers. From what I and this is from what I've read, you can use the controllers to play the game normally, but you can use the motion controls to do finishing moves, which are wrestling moves. So he has okay. this, he has a beam katana, which is like a Jedi lightsaber kind of thing. Gotcha. And he's you're you're fighting through these levels, but when you are ready to take down the boss or an enemy, you can do this motion control, a specific motion control. And it will do a wrestling move, which I guess the, the author of the game was really into wrestling, like loves wrestling. Yeah. And so, like, he does these really cool rest, over-the-top wrestling moves to the... To
0: well, but, I'll tell you one thing. You had to, uh, I had to type in my birthdate in order to visualize the uh, website here.
1: It is very, from what I've read, it's very, um, it has some mature things.
0: Like cutting people in half with lightsabers?
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, but like when you go to save the game, it's him sitting on the toilet. Like, like this. he goes to a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He <laughs> um, looks very
0: relaxed too.
1: Yeah. So um very stylistic game though. Um I'm I think I'd I think I may get this just to try it out. I've never All played right. No More Heroes, so um
0: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
1: You know one you know one platform you'll never see No More Heroes on.
0: Probably like the Intellivision. Correct. So that's a pretty old system.
1: That is a very old system. However,
0: if you are a fan of the Intellivision, yeah, um, you might want to know that there is a virtual expo coming up, Eric. Okay. Um, I think it is cool that there's all these expos and things that are going online because I've always wanted to go to these conventions and expos, and know there's no substitute for the real thing. But now you can actually kind of. Attend some of these things to a point By going online and doing them Virtually, yeah Um, So this one, which I am still trying to Here we go Uh, I popped onto Vintage is the New Old Uh, The Intellivision is 41 years old There it is right there Crazy. And there's a virtual expo going on November 21st a uh, seven-hour series of sessions and discussions from independent players, developers, and publishers for the original console. Live game streaming of original and twenty-first-century titles will also take place. Um, and they basically are hosting a, a forum page on Atari Age, which everything old is on Atari Age. But um, I wonder if uh, our boy. Uh, totally blanking on DeLarico? his name Tommy Dallarico will, will be there with the new Amico To talk about the new I really hope so
1: It doesn't mention him at all in the, these articles So I hope that would be a missed opportunity If he somehow couldn't wedge into one of these I don't know if it's sponsored by him I mean, I guess he owns the Intellivision He does trademark so i mean they're kind of intruding on him right <laughs>
0: well, i do want to go to that old chestnut
1: yeah which i don't encourage but i mean you know that
0: old cornucopia exactly. it is uh, november <laughs> um yeah i you know i we we're fans of the intellivision and almost any old gaming system to be honest but i wonder how like the diehard guys feel about the new project
1: yeah, I wish they'd get behind it because they are remaking a ton of games. I mean, I'm, I'm old assuming they are. Television games, yeah. I'm assuming
0: they are, but um, I'm sure there's a few people out there that yeah. are. There's always people that are against everything, so I'm curious. Um, there's also another event happening on the Intellivision's birthday, apparently, which is December third. Um, they're calling it Intellivision Day. Yeah, it's a worldwide celebration where all Intellivision fans can participate by giving, uh, simply playing any game in the catalog spelt with a u at the end (laughs) yeah um there's a registration page you can go to the link here on the vintage is the new old and register and partake in the fun so that is in television day um television of course pretty cool looking console partly plastic it's also got a nice little like metal band across the top which i think is pretty super (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) so that takes me that was that was a reach
0: Uh, come on now that was great that was not gold that was silver (laughs) okay
1: so there's a new game coming out for the amiga called super metal hero upcoming Mm. amiga platform just like the intellivision colin vela and team and it gets a new tease i don't know if you want to bring up the link here but the graphics on this are pretty amazing click um I'm I, I'm seeing more and more Amiga stuff coming out, like new Amiga games. But if you like play that little video down there, the parallax scrolling in this is is the thing that really caught my eye. Like, watch like there's like holes in the cave wall, and the parallax yeah. scrolling is just very smooth. And and I'll the turn color, it up
0: so the listeners can hear it with us.
1: And the colors look amazing.
0: It does look great. Now, um, there, now
1: there are no enemies in here. He's this is just a tease, like yeah. showing you. What it's going to look like?
0: That's that's kind of my thing. I mean, I love it. I'm just kind of getting, and I'm not. I can't complain by any means. These guys are making new stuff. It's great. Uh, guys and girls are making great new stuff. I'm just tired of seeing teasers. I Me want too, to see. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. The Commodore 64 stuff for the most part just kind of comes out.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I see teasing. I, I see. I, I do see teasing stuff here and there on the Commodore 64. But you're right. It is. It's a lot a of these other systems
0: are yeah. like a new teaser, a new teaser, a new teaser. I'm like,
1: uh, and our buddies on the Amigos have kind of put the kibosh on that. Like, they don't, they don't, they don't really, unless it's something really special. Like this looks like it's going to be. Yeah, they won't, they won't um, mention anything that's a teaser or whatever. They just only mention things that come out.
0: Well, bravo to that. I agree with that, but um, but like you said, if it's something that's really outstanding, like this looks like it's going to be, that's I'm yeah. all for it. Um, so that'll probably be coming out in like winter, yeah, something like that <laughs> uh yeah. kind of like the commodore sixty four winter game development competition twenty twenty okay um let me let me click on the link here before I make up anything else about it, but yeah, uh this
1: is weird, so this isn't related to those other game development things. no this one's this, this one a new one, is, one huh
0: this one's interesting um here it is now this is put on by the c sixty four eric which is yeah. uh the guys that made the emulation device, the Mini C64 and the C64 full size. Yeah. Um, and if you read this, what I've noticed, I'm, I'm down for any Commodore 64 coding competition. Right. Um, but it, the their product they make called the C64 is is a Commodore and a VIC-20 in one. So it can be any game for any of those formats, as long as it can play on their device. They really did not do a great job of outlining the rules, so there's kind of a lot of gray area... Uh, what counts what doesn't count um the deadline is not even announced yet hmm. but it's another uh coding competition so hopefully some people get in on it and we'll be able to 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 test out some more games but yeah check that link if you want to be a part of it or try those uh games um but if you're into a later system like the commodore amiga
1: then i this this new <laughs> i'm all fl- flustered <laughs> you caught me off guard softball eric softball then this article will Mm, really mm -hmm, please mm -hmm, you
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um well done well done
1: there's some amiga luminaries coming out with a new Mm. amiga magazine a physical magazine Mm -hmm, called mm -hmm. amiga addict um we're talking amiga bill from youtube we're talking the amigos we're talking ravi from the retro hour um, I know I'm missing a ton of people, but there are, there's a guy that uh, his name, he goes by Simulant, and he is coming out with a full size Amiga um, magazine called Amiga Addict. And a lo- they have signed on a bunch of writers, and they're basically, they're not doing the Kickstarter thing, they're, but they are trying to get, a t- um, I think it was 500 pre orders. Yeah. And if they can do that, then they will move forward and publish the first episode. I signed up for it because I'm pretty excited about a physical uh, magazine, and once I get the first edition, if it's good and it looks great, I'll probably get a actual subscription to it. Um,
0: with Amiga Bill right on the uh, yeah the front cover apparently on this one.
1: Yep, Kim Justice, that's right. She's associated with it. Um, so it's a lot of really good Amiga people that are that are on this, and I think there's a couple of uh, like Dave Haney. He's one of the original Amiga guys. He, um, and a
0: legend, I would say. A
1: legend, yes. Um,
0: Tutorials, um, look back at the magazines of the past, which is funny because in America we didn't have a ton.
1: No, I never. Even, I don't remember any Amiga magazines on the shelf. I got a couple Commodore 64 ones, but I'm sure there was. I just didn't see them. Yep.
0: They are down to 117 more uh, pre-orders needed to ship the first uh, issue. So I will, I will throw down. I have not done this yet.
1: Okay. Yeah. There's not. It's not a ton of money, especially just for one episode. Um, he. They expect to post out the issue number one in December. So get in on that, and I should boost this more on Twitter. And, and we're talking. It looks about like it's going to
0: get there. They're at seventy seven percent already. So yeah. Go ahead and uh, dig out your wallet. Speaking of digging, <laughs> Digger Three is coming out, Eric. And this is a new game from an for an old computer that is not teased, but it is uh let me find it here. <laughs> is it out now? Let me check this bad boy out. Yeah. Digger 3. Yeah. The Load Runner game that the the Trash 80 Coco 3 never had until now. And Eric,
1: it looks good.
0: It is out now on itch.io. Wow. So you and I are going to be purchasing this.
1: It um, requires a Tandy color computer with 512K. It Check. does. Got that.
0: Yep, we got that. It doesn't have to have that weird processor thing.
1: The, up the 6509 processor update.
0: Yep. Uh, there's two versions. There's a version for RGB. Okay. And a version for televisions and composite, which will, I will use.
1: That's awesome. I have I have the RGB cable. Did you get one? Yeah, I got one for my Cocoa 3.
0: I need to know where to get one. I was looking all over, and I can't figure out where to get them.
1: So I plug it right into my SCART on my PVM, and yep. it... it it's an amazing picture, so I, I should dig my Cocoa 3 out and do this.
0: I want to do that with um, uh, my Amiga monitor back here, my awesome. my 1080. Yeah. Um, same thing. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find the uh, price on here. It looks like it's actually free. That is weird. Are, are they even going to let me pay money? Because I will pay money. Anyways, I'm going to download that, because it looks... Uh, here, let me show you some gameplay here. Okay. But you are going to be stoked, because it's like... Um,
1: which I love Runner. That's Runner.
0: And listen to the sound. For Cocoa 3, listen to the sound. It's uh, no music, but sound effects. Which, of course, nothing's happening now. Is
1: the speaker hooked up? Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it
0: sounds like an Amiga to me. Yeah. Um, It looks, it looks solid.
1: It looks really good. So... And unlike Load Runner, which is traditionally um, a single screen, this one has scrolling levels.
0: It does have, yes. Which you could love or hate, because you can't see the full outline, so that could kind of requires memorization now. But I think it looks pretty cool. I think it looks great. So it's Digger 3 on the uh, Coco 2. Um, speaking of uh, computers that don't get a lot of love.
1: <laughs> the Commodore, the Commodore 128. Commodore 128. you're talking about?
0: Also has a new game uh, coming out for it. Um, and it's also released, Eric. Ooh. Not teased, but released. Um, it's called Volley for Two. Okay. And I know you have access to a Commodore 128, so you're going to have to do this. And your bare metal will do it
1: too, right? That's, my bare metal will do it.
0: Uh but it's actually a really good looking game. Yeah. And it looks, it's almost like a, um, well, it's basically, there's two people. I think you can just play, you can play two player on it. That's okay. That's probably the way to do it. You're basically a ball on each side of a pole, which is the net. And you, it's kind of a uh, gravity physics space where you just basically have to jump into the volleyball and try to get it over the net. And if you hit it at the right angle, it'll go over. But if you hit it like straight up, then it'll go up and you try to hit it again. Um,
1: is it two player only? I don't entirely know.
0: (laughs) Music sounds good. Yeah. Did the C128
1: use the SID? Yes, it has a SID. Yep. It it does use it as its. So you can
0: see it there. Yeah. It's really physics based. Looks like it'd be hard to get a hang of, but. um,
1: Oh, it looks cool though.
0: I can see it being a blast. I mean, it's really simple, but looks cool. Sounds good. I can see it being fun with two players, though.
1: I should bring my bare-metal 64 over here and we'll play this as a two-player game. Because sometimes these kind of games don't have, like, an AI, so you're really stuck in doing a two-player mode. But I'll have to check that out.
0: Yeah, but it's just, like, a good arcade-style game.
1: (laughs) Speaking of arcade Uh games... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Arcade 1-Up? Outrun cabinet. Have you read about this? I have not,
0: actually. I haven't even thought about it. You need to pull
1: the link up then because you gotta you gotta check this out. Is it's it pretty down? slick. It Tell is me sit, it down. sit down. Really? It is sit down. Oh, look at um, that. So it is a sit-down and you can move the seat. It, the seat is just detached, so you can move it back and forth left and right. But it has the stick shift, it has the steering wheel, it has pedals. It does have um, the pedals. Um there it is. Yep. So you can move that seat back and forth. It's it's not on any kind of like remember uh the outrun. You know, you had to reach down and grab that lever that was covered in vomit, and, <laughs> and uh, in the arcade, and like you could move the seat back and forth, and that would always be broken. And half the ones I would outrun cabinets, I would see. Yeah, that stick was always broken, so the seat would always just slide back and forth, or didn't move <laughs> at all, or whatever. But this one,
0: uh, you could slide back and forth on control B if you wanted to with this. <laughs> That's true. Just add some wheels for an extra twenty nine ninety nine. Yep. And for uh, four ninety nine, you can get a vomit. Air freshener to put on the uh, blower they have at the top, <laughs> and then you have the true experience.
1: So this thing, um, I don't know if this article. I think it was about five hundred bucks, which I don't think is a bad deal for a full steering wheel and everything.
0: So this does look like the same form factor as the Star Wars arcade sit down they made. Yeah, where the, the b- seat kind of slides out and tucks in when you're done. Yep. So it's a less obtrusive, and yeah, that one was uh, four ninety nine as well, four ninety nine ninety nine. Um, very cool.
1: So I, I I think that's really neat. I'm, I really applaud Arcade 1-Up because you can say what you want about the build qualities or whatever, but it's fine, it's fine for, I mean, if you're building a little mini arcade at home, these literally are mini arcades that are, what, three-quarter size? Yeah. And you just fill up a room filled with these things. I think it's pretty neat. Um, Way cool. Yeah. And and uh, you saw the pinball one they released, right?
0: Did that actually come out? Because we were talking about it on the show a few times, and yep, I it, want it, that. It
1: has come out, and they've they announced all the tables, and I think you can order it, if not pre order, for shipping very, very soon, or it might be out now. I don't remember. That's
0: one I'm going to want to get. But That's I saw so the cool. pictures
1: of it, and it looks really neat. It looks really cool.
0: So cool. Yep. Yeah, I'm hoping the uh, bubble doesn't burst on these things. Uh, speaking <laughs> of bubbles, Bubble Bobble for Friends yeah. is receiving an update, Eric. Okay. Now, if you buy the game new, it's actually being sold kind of as a new game. Okay. It's called Bubble Bubble for Friends. The Baron is back. However, if you already own the game, like you do, I believe, didn't you buy the game? I did not buy it. Oh, you didn't. Oh, no. I thought you did. Okay. Well, then it is a free update. Um, but it does look uh, very cool because the game, we've always said, it looks awesome. Bubble Bubble 4 looks great, but it's always been $40, which is a lot of money for Bubble Bubble.
1: That's a lot of money for a Bubble. A little too much. A little too rich for my blood.
0: Yeah, but now... Uh, with this new update, okay. I think the idea is you still pay the same amount. Uh, it's coming out on November 17th, so two days from today. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math when this actually this episode comes out. Yeah. Um, but it's going to add four-player cooperative mode. Neat. A total of 200 levels. Dig it. The original arcade version included. Loving it. Online ranking feature. I like it. And uh, return of a fan-favorite villain, Baron Von Blubba.
1: But he was always the villain, wasn't he? Ah, I guess the little whale guy, right? Anyway,
0: yeah, I know he, but I don't know if he was in the new version. Oh, that's I don't true. know. But I'm looking at some of the modes, and it looks a lot different than games I've seen in the past.
1: So, yeah. so it's going to be the same amount of money, but it's going to be a like a bunch of new add-ons. To I think
0: the game. they're doing kind of what they did with. Um, Bomberman on okay. the Switch, where it kind of came out lackluster, it was, wasn't worth the money, and it was kind of disappointing, and then they fluffed it up so much that now you're like, dude, we should get it.
1: Yeah. Which I now, still haven't. But now it's cheap. <laughs> so, and it's 20 bucks now, you're right. Yeah.
0: I need to buy that. I still need to get that game.
1: Yeah. Well, we still need to play that multiplayer. That's, that's where Bomberman shines.
0: Yeah, we should have a, a full-on throwdown showdown, Eric.
1: Yes, we should. <laughs> Speaking of a showdown... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to these transitions. You keep getting yet. like
0: knocked back on your heels.
1: <laughs> so this is another one from Tim. Oh, Tim. Um, so I don't know about this, but I'm going to read it. Showdown C64, a new game by Badger Punch Software. Great new shooter in the style of Boot Hill. Now available on itch.io, and that means nothing to me because I don't know what Boot Hill is either. But
0: well, I can tell you right now by looking at itch.io that it costs one dollar. That's a deal. Which I suggest you pay for. At that price, just support people.
1: Yep. Ooh, Here's some music here. Music.
0: But know what this game? I don't know the game he was talking about. Yeah. But I know when we did the C64 competition, there was a soldier game yes. where you shot it, back
1: and forth. It was exactly like this. Yeah. Right. was very
0: much like this: there's a road down the middle. There's a wagon driving up the middle, and you're trying to shoot each other from across the way. Now it looks like it fixed the issues I had with the with the coding game. Yeah. Which is that you were super tall and like it was hard to miss each other. These are guys, tiny little guys with big hats.
1: Not to um, mention, that was only a two-player game, the, the one for the competition, right?
0: Yeah, this one does say one or two-player, which two means player, so. there's AI for the computer.
1: All right, well, I might I might check that out then, because I, I thought it was a great game. I just was like, well, I play games alone a lot. I don't... I mean, two-player game's fine, but... I play games alone a lot. <laughs> exactly. <sighs>
0: oh man all right i'm waiting for your segue
1: okay let me look i gotta study this um we
0: will return in just a few moments <laughs> we're having
1: te- we're having technical difficulties um speaking of a great new shooter i don't know <laughs>
0: um i don't know how to save that one Eric. <laughs> so, of-
1: so what is this Cody? So-
0: you know how the uh, Xbox came out with their accessibility controller for people with disabilities, or which
1: I think is really neat.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I mean, it's um, I think it could be it, it's neat for multiple reasons. One, of course, people who have disabilities, yeah, obviously, would love to be able to play games and do things with, that... all their,
1: with friends and stuff. I mean, it's it's a great activity for them to keep their mind engaged and. I mean, it, and it helps with their dexterity. I I mean, it, there's so many benefits of games for people with disabilities. And I when when I saw the one for the Xbox, I was like, man, good for Microsoft. I mean, they're they're really trying to do something here. You know what I mean? I mean, they're not making money. They're not making money hand over fist for this thing. So they're kind of doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. I, I think it's such a great thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm sure a little PR in there as well. Let's be honest. Of course. But- well, sure, but. But uh, Nintendo Switch has one now. Nintendo didn't make it, right? But Hori did. Yeah. Who is a, a famous Nintendo or accessory company? Yeah. Um, and they released one for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's cool about it is that it's actually a little gamepad. Yeah. But then it's got on the front just a ton of little eighth-inch jacks for every button, and essentially it's a little breakout box that you can make your own little buttons for. You can buy buttons and stick them to the table or a switch over here and make it work on your own. What I love about it is, of course, A, all the stuff you said about people with disabilities, Yeah. but now you can also kind of hack it to make your own specialized controllers for yourself, too.
1: That's true. That's true. Because I'm looking at this going, man, I love those big... Yeah. Can you imagine those big buttons for games like track and field? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, those
0: huge palm buttons or... Um, yeah. I mean, it's just an eighth-inch jack, so it means there's one in, one out. That's it. Yeah. Um, so you could literally put this controller inside some kind of contraption and make your own, I don't know, like game-specific controllers. Like, It's really cool how this thing's laid out. So... Check the, uh, check the link if you want to check out what we're talking about. Um, I have no idea how much it's going to cost, but, uh, I mean, if I had to put a ballpark on it, just looking at it.
1: This is really fulfilling the dreams. I'd say a hundred, hundred yeah. bucks or something like no, that. No, no, it says it in there. Uh, Where'd it say it? It said it uh, down. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Uh, nope. Yeah, down called the Horry Flex, by the way. Yeah, there was, I read it. So there is. Oh, uh, $180, pa-
0: 230 bucks.
1: Yeah, so it's not cheap, but I mean, again... It's if currently you're- limited to Japan. Yep.
0: Um, but my guess is that at that price point, it probably includes a few of these buttons and things with it.
1: But can you put a price on fulfilling a dream? You know what? Some people have dreams,
0: yeah. even about arcades. Exactly. Arcade Dreams is an arcade documentary series that's been introduced as a Kickstarter. This is from Tim, by the way. Yeah. Um would be a funded a documentary all about the one hundred years of arcade entertainment. It currently stands at twenty four thousand pounds of the seventy-two thousand needed to fund. Um
1: would you be interested in an arcade documentary? You know I'm starting to get a little documentary out. I mean I hate to say it, but seems like there's a new one trying to get funded every month. Yeah. I, and I, some I, of them are done very well Like a couple of those Amiga ones were great And I enjoyed them And I think this is by the same people that did I think it might be by a similar person That did one of the Amiga ones
0: Yeah, I mean it looks really well done Yeah um, These things are always fun to watch But my whole thing with these is um, I wouldn't back it Yeah. But I will watch it on Netflix <laughs>
1: I'll watch it on Netflix or I'll even buy it I'll rent it for two ninety nine dollars 99 or something
0: yeah. Or, But yeah
1: Cause I, I still haven't even watched that, that, uh, mother. Remember, I remember that mother documentary about, um, um, earthbound. Uh, it's called, it was, God, I can't remember the name of it, but that's
0: right. I remember you telling me, about. It. I'd, I still haven't even seen that. I still um,
1: haven't finished the whole, the whole episode because I just, I've been so busy, but you know, I waited for that thing for like four years. <laughs> So I'm kind of putting I'm not I I am not backing any more documentaries, but when they do come out, if they have them for sale somewhere, I'll buy it. But I'm just a little documentary doubt because I'm still trying to catch up on all those. There's like there's like a arcade one already up uh, on. I think it's either Netflix or Amazon Prime or something. There's just so much to have, try to follow. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? Tr- for me, the truth is, as much as I would love to watch all this stuff, and do all this stuff, I mm-hmm. only so much time. Yeah. If I have free time, it's I want to play games because last time I check, I've played probably hundreds of games. Yeah. And there's literally like tens of thousands I haven't played.
1: And we have a show to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the people need to hear our voices. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with that said, I incur. I mean, I like that. People are doing documentaries on these things because they need to be documented. And
0: like once a year, I'll take a day off or do something where my family is gone. Yeah, and I literally have like one day entirely to myself, mm-hmm. and it's the most amazing thing. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm gonna play a game for three hours, and then I get, I'm like, I'm done playing games right now. Yeah, I can like take the time to read a gaming book or watch a documentary or do something else. Yeah, besides mow the lawn. That's right. And then after I finish that, I'm like. I can't believe I made time and watched that. That was good. Let's go play some more games. Yeah.
1: Like I, I remember when my wife, and, priorities. my wife and daughter went to visit relatives for a weekend, and I literally just sat in my house and played video games and ate and made Top Ramen and stuff, like the good old days. That's all <laughs> I did. Drank beer, ate Top Ramen, played video games. Heaven. The time. It was heaven absolutely heaven because my my wife was like oh you know you don't you know you don't have to go out and eat i've I've bought you all this food and i was like i'm not i don't plan on going anywhere
0: yeah, I, awesome. yeah I went nowhere that's awesome um yeah so that documentary could come out in digital format i wonder if that'll ever come out in something analog
1: <laughs> well tim says about that <laughs> and, and this is really cool i don't know if you've seen this but i've read extensively I will pull it about up it. here the Analog Duo, an all in one reimagining of perhaps the most underappreciated video game systems of all time. Compatible with nearly every NEC system and game format TurboGrafx 16, PC Engine, SuperGrafx, TurboGrafx CD, PC Engine, CD ROM. I
0: guess swear we talked about this last
1: month, but I we didn't. We, Did we? I, I, I don't know.
0: I mean, might have just. Talked about it extensively on Twitter because we were so excited about it.
1: Maybe, but we could just talk about it again because this thing is slick. And
0: there's two versions here.
1: For analog, it is actually a pretty reasonably priced device. Okay, I analog, think.
0: who's got their, their start making $500 mm-hmm. all metal NESs.
1: Correct. And this, if I'm not mistaken, is about $200. $200. Bucks. Yep. I think that's a deal, especially since it does all, it will play all the CD format games by NEC. Um, just a little side note, when I worked at Prima Games uh, many years ago, in town was NEC. And I'd always see their big factory uh, oh, yeah. in Rockland. And, uh, I didn't know that. I'd That's always cool. think about the TurboGrafx. I wonder if they have TurboGrafx in there. They didn't. They, I I think they just made chips there, but maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe I they had one in a, some
0: guy's office. Exactly. Beneath the Funyuns and the Mountain Dew.
1: But... Um, my Turbo Graphics or my PC Engine, because I have both of them, but uh, the PC Engine is my favorite. I love that system. I mean, I I think the games are so cool and colorful, and the sound is fantastic we, on We've talked about
0: it so much on the show. That's like yeah. the system I... If I had any system when I was a kid and I said, I wish I got this instead, it's that. Like, yep.
1: And, t- and Tim is, is right. So good. It's, uh, Tim is right in here, because he said it was the one of the most underappreciated video game systems ever. I Outside agree. of Japan. Outside of Japan. Here, it just did not do well, and I don't know why. It's such a great system.
0: So, I've been looking for a while, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about this more in catching up, but I've been looking for a Turbo Duo. Yeah. Recapped and everything, mm-hmm. which is like 400 bucks, something like that, yeah. you know, for a good working one. Right. Professionally recapped, which I wouldn't want to do it myself, that particular task. Yeah. Um, but, and I've been thinking about it. Because I have a I have I love the Hue card games for my turbo graphics. Yep. But I wanna play the C D games. And I don't wanna emulate I I still have never emulated one. Mm-hmm. And I wanna play those games. Um this little package almost makes it look like a mini console. Yep. But it does fit the CDs, the little front mounted tray here, and the hue cards. And like I said, uh if you guys don't know, the PC engine was notorious for basically having all these adapters to play your hue cards was easy to play a CD you had to have another card a system card but there was like two versions of that if you wanted to play arcade games you had to have a different system card right. if you wanted to play Super FX games it's a whole different sy- like there was literally like eight different combinations to make to play all the games right. and you had to own all these things and it was kind of crazy still is kind of crazy and for 200 bucks the system looked you can tell what you're looking at it looks like a analog duo system but also looks like a turbo graphics pc engine fixes it and it's got done. two versions which is cool it's got the the black um
1: kind of grayish uh,
0: black grayish black uh version and then the the white one with the waves i forget which one of these was was japan which one was us now and um, if
1: i'm if i remember right it does come with a controller and you can also use your own controller
0: yeah it comes with that wireless it comes with the 8 bit do turbo oh, graphics controller which is amazing that's
1: right that's right yeah 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 that's right okay yep
0: And then, um, and of course the pockets coming out and oh my goodness, so much cool stuff.
1: So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on this. And one thing is this is FPGA and my mister will play all these systems as well. So,
0: and that's why I don't want one. (laughs) That's why I don't want a mister. Yeah. I want to have my systems.
1: Yeah. So I, for me, I don't know. I'm on the fence, but I I I want this. I could see me. I could see me pulling the trigger on this pretty easily.
0: I'm hope that the part that makes me unexcited about it mm-hmm. is what they're doing with the analog pocket right now, which is this false demand garbage stuff. So, yeah. I'm not playing those games. No. You pr- you provide them make them available available to buy, I will buy one.
1: Exactly. And I agree with that 100%.
0: Um, another thing I'll probably buy is the new game that friend of the show Juan Martinez is working on. Yes. Uh, he is working on a new version of Brick Rick Graveyard Shift. Is what it's the, I guess that's the subtitle, right? Yeah.
1: Have you heard? Have you played
0: this game for before? the ZX Spectrum? Um, well, this came out uh, recently. I'm trying to remember. This is the one that came out on the Commodore 64, right? I don't know. Is it? um bam, 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 bam. Here it is. Oh, uh, it looks cool. Yeah, it's where he, uh, I swear he. This is where we should have done our research. Yeah, um, I well to I be to be just, fair,
1: this is Tim's entry. So <laughs> yeah,
0: I think this already came out on the Commodore 64, and now it's coming out on the Spectrum. Yeah, I or no no, I believe it might have been MSX, and now and now the Spectrum, which makes sense because they have a similar. That's true. Uh, processor. Yep. It, so, it looks
1: cool. Oh, you know what? This does f- seem familiar.
0: It's got a fright night feel. Or what's that game you like to play on Halloween? Uh, Nightmare in the dark. Nightmare in the dark feel. Yeah It's like an 8-bit nightmare in the dark
1: Yeah, it is well, Yeah, it's well, like
0: Frankenstein's running around And bats and mummies and.
1: Well, Juan, you got my money
0: Brick Rick Graveyard Shift The thing is, he never charges for his games But we'll buy him a Kofi or whatever they call it
1: Right <laughs>
0: um, Yeah, check that out Everything Juan makes is great It is That's the news, Eric Yes, excellent I'm sure we missed a few important topics But that's the news
1: That is the news I learned um, a lot Fun was had by all. Fun.
0: Well, I'm finishing up my last few sips of this peanut butter stout. I'm done, which means uh, it's about time for us to go ahead and hear what Eric has to say in Eric's take. <laughs>
1: For this month on Eric's Take, I wanted to talk a little bit about video. We have all of these great retro video game consoles and computers, but what do we display those on, and what's the best choices there? I wanted to go into about a little history of mine, as well as what CRTs and flat panel TVs that I use today, and tell you my experience with those. So this uh, episode 's going to be a little free form i don 't have any notes taken or anything like that. I just kind of want to have a general conversation about it. so I got it back into um, video game consoles and computers probably about i don 't know i 'd say maybe twelve years ago uh, and i i really didn't didn 't have a lot of space set up for my for my um, new hobby. So, I really just had a single desk. So, I had a flat panel LCD ViewSonic that I had mounted on a swivel arm, and I used that for quite a long time. So, it was just a flat panel LCD. And I know, I even knew back then that that wasn't really the best option, but that's really all I had for the moment. Uh, It it worked surprisingly well. The first systems I got, I got a Sega Genesis to begin my collection off, and then I got got another Commodore 64 and then a VIC-20 and so on and so on. And now, I I mean, I'm surrounded by machines. But those first ones worked really well. And I got lucky. This ViewSonic was a very high-quality LCD panel that had a ton of ports on it. And I I don't know the model number off, damn, but it wasn't very large. Uh, It was probably... If I had to guess, probably 20-inch, 22-inch. But it worked out surprisingly well. Um, But I kept reading online that especially the 16-bit generation, and I know the 8-bit too, but the 16-bit generation really excelled on CRTs because the programmers basically would blend their sprites and uh, graphics to work on a CRT best, I guess, is the best way to put it. I read that in a lot of articles and heard it on a lot of podcasts. So I went out looking around on Craigslist for um, a used CRT. And I kept looking, and I found a lot of good options, but one caught my eye early on, and it was the same exact CRT TV that I had in my very first apartment Uh, when I lived on my own, and that was a Toshiba flat CRT. So most of you know that CRTs have curved uh, screens, but they did make a lot. I know Sony made a lot of Trinitrons with flat screens, Um, and the first one I had in my apartment was a Toshiba, and I loved that TV. It had built-in speakers that were really high quality, Um, and it had a ton of uh, ports on the back, whether it was composite, component, um, or S video and so one caught my eye on Craigslist I think it was 20 bucks came with the remote uh, and it was actually in my local town it was probably a good 10 miles away so drove over there checked it out and it was my first CRT um, getting back into this hobby and it is a Toshiba uh, It's a flat CRT 20 inch it's uh, the model number is a 20 AF 44 um, like I said, it came with the remote. It is exactly the same one I had in my apartment, same model number and everything. And this has been my main CRT for playing all my eight bit and 16 bit consoles. Um, and beyond actually I have my PS one, PS two hooked up to it. My NES, my SNES, um, well, I Nintendo and super Nintendo, um, as well as, um, what else do I got on that? Um, my Dreamcast, GameCube, uh, my Sega Saturn. I pretty much run everything I can through that thing, and I have since I got it, and I love it. So anyway, that kind of got me going, and I'm, I am I have been really enjoying playing games on it, but one of the downsides to it per, for this particular model is that it does not play uh, PAL. So anything, any of my consoles that... Are, and I'm getting more and more consoles from the UK, from Europe, uh, places like that. Uh, plugging those in, it just doesn't work on it. So I then was try, was reading up on what other good options are for uh, PAL and for a lot of other inputs, especially because a lot of the um, machines I was starting to get from the UK and from Europe really required SCART, which is something I hadn't heard of before. But quickly learned all about it and it was a video format in Europe Uh, it's kind of this big flat wide um, connector and I wanted something that I could plug SCART into so yeah SCART basically is an RGB connection um, and it was not here in the US so I figured that might be kind of tough to find so I asked around on Twitter and uh, FozTex uh, on Twitter at FozTex F-O-Z-Z-T-E-X-X he found um, an auction for me for a Sony PVM and it was model 1353 MD not it's not a very large screen I think it's 13 inches Um, but on the back are a ton of ports and options RGB s video composite everything Um, and it was a very reasonable price these are getting harder and harder to find this was a few years back I think maybe five or six years ago so I decided to grab it, and I did, and quickly realized that the connectors on the back were kind of foreign to me. They were BNC connectors, like those little twist-on cable connectors. Everything was in that format. So I did a little more research, and I found a ton of interface options to plug into the back of the Sony PVM. Basically, on the RGB ports, there is a converter that converts it to a female SCART connector so that I can plug all the SCART connections into it. I found component and composite uh, BNC connectors to plug into the ports in the back. Um, Basically, this thing will run anything just about. It's pretty amazing just just what it will run. It'll run NTSC, PAL, CCAM, whatever kind of video format you can find, and finding the right BNC to whatever adapters, like BNC to SCART, BNC to composite, BNC to component, BNC to S video, even though it has S video ports on the back, you can find adapters for anything, um, out there on the internet. So I bought a bunch of adapters and I've been using that. And I mainly use that one nowadays for my retro computers, like my BBC micro, my ZX spectrum, um, my MSX two, uh, my, uh, I do use my Commodore uh, 64 on it. My pal Commodore 64, um, I basically use it for microcomputers just because of where it's set up on my desk and the size of it. kind of like to play video games on bigger screens like my Toshiba, if possible. Um, But then I started to... So I got that, and I've been very happy with that. But recently, I started to... uh, Well, let me backtrack. I want to finish out the CRT collection. So I joined my local, um, Amiga users club not long ago with Cody and we went to our first couple of meetings and, um, those are great guys there, but they, they had a little, I think someone's garage filled with some spare systems and I got an Amiga 500 from them. But one other thing I got from them, which I had always wanted was a Commodore 1084 monitor. And so they sold that to me, I think for 20 bucks, um, which was the price of uh, a year subscription to, or a year joining the club anyway. So I grabbed that 1084 monitor. Uh, It worked perfectly. It still had the little front door panel on it, which is pretty rare. Those are usually missing. Um, And I now have that on my desk too. So I I basically use three CRTs. And that Commodore 1084, I have uh, my Atari 800XL because it has a really nice uh, component or I'm sorry, composite port on the back. So plugging the Atari 800 XL in there works very well. Um, I have a a special cable that I plug in my Amigas um, into this monitor, and they they look outstanding. Uh, My Amiga 1200 especially just looks amazing on this thing. Um, And that's really all I use it for, but one of those is always set up on my desk at all times. I always have an Amiga booted up. Uh, So I'm using the 1084. Commodore monitor and it 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 works brilliantly. So that completes my CRT collection. But recently, the way my game room is, is I have a couch that is on the one side of the room, and then I do have a large um, LCD. I think it's like maybe uh, I don't know, forty-eight inch, something like that, fifty inch. It's across. It's a. It's on the other wall though, and that really is originally was going to be the main system for uh, my xbox one kind of modern more my more modern uh machines and yeah my nintendo switch i hooked to it as well in fact those are the two things hooked to it all the time the xbox one and the switch and i play modern games on those and it works fine and it is nothing fancy it is like a I think the brand is TCL, um, real bare bones. Um, It's not Blu-ray or 4K or whatever that is. It's just basically a 1080p style monitor. Um, But it plays all my modern stuff, and I've been using it for that. But something just recently, when I'm sitting on the couch over there, and I just want to relax. I kind of wanted to start plugging in even uh, more basic systems like a Nintendo once in a while or basically like we were doing the um the battle of the systems this month um regarding first person shooters and i wanted to put my nintendo 64 and i kind of instead of using the crt i wanted to try it out on the big screen so if if you know anything plugging these directly into a big screen is horrible they they look really bad and there's a lot of lag and um it's <clears throat> just turns out to be a real subpar experience so I was following these I, I know I knew about retro tinks and and I covered this on last month's episode. I got a RetroTink 2X Mini, which basically you can plug um uh composite or S video into it and it will come out the other end as HDMI and it uses um special algorithms that the creator designed to make it as lag-free as possible, and it it just has a beautiful picture. And really, the, one of the main reasons I got that is because I knew I wanted to play my new Amiga CD32 on it, uh, which is S-Video out the back. And I plugged that into that, and it looks beautiful. It is a brilliant picture. But I got thought to myself, you know what? I want to sit on the other side of the room, and I wanted to play Doom 64 on the big screen. And I plugged that thing in, and it looks beautiful. So I'm starting to use kind of back to where I started, kind of using a flat panel LCD for video games again. And I definitely, I'm not going to use them for everything. Like I decided to play um, Power Slave or Exhumed on the Sega Saturn. I decided to leave that on my CRT because, frankly, it just looks better on the CRT. looks beautiful on there. And I wanted them hooked up at the same time without having to swap a bunch of cables. So the N64 right now is plugged in on the, the big screen. Uh, and the Saturn is plugged in on the smaller toshiba crt and and it 's great it 's re- just nice to have options um, don 't here 's my advice to you you 're going to hear a lot of snobs on Twitter that are going or Facebook or wherever that are going to say hey you 've got to play these things on crts or you 're not getting the genuine experience and I say, try out whatever you want, and if you want to play them on flat panels because you don 't have the room, you live in an apartment or you you're like me in the beginning I only had a desk that I could devote to retro systems and stuff like that then do it on an LCD. It doesn't matter if you, if you can tweak it so that your video looks great, then, then go for it. I I I I don't have any problem at all now switching between my flat panel TVs as well, as well as my CRTs. There it just depends on the system and the game and a lot of them do work better on CRTs and that's I'm glad I have these three CRTs around me right now, um, but tinkering with this new generation of um, upscalers and things like that. Some of these systems, like my Amiga CD thirty-two and uh, the N sixty-four, and uh, I have an original Xbox. I plug those things into this this cheap big LCD, and they look great. So, it doesn't matter what other people say. Just do do you. And Try it out, and if it works great and feels great Then do it. I mean it it, it 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 It's actually cheaper to go the LCD route and they're easier to find, but you will have to get some kind of upscaler like the RetroTINK uh, But anyway, that's what I have now and looking into the future I am really happy with what I have um, the 1084 the Commodore 1084 the Sony PVM and the Toshiba CRT it, if If there was anything I might get down the road, it might be a Sony Trinitron uh, PVM style, um, kind of a bigger, like with a bigger screen. The one I have is 13 inches. Uh, But if I could find a Sony Trinitron that had a much larger screen and they do have them and they look really nice, that supported NTSC and PAL, then... I think I'd probably get that, but it's not something that I'm going to actively go looking for. If I come across one, I might snag it. Um, It would be really nice to play pal on a big CRT. Oh, one other thing is that uh, through one of my clients at work, um, he gave me his big... I have this Gold Star CRT in my garage that is huge. I mean, I think the screen is 40 inches or something like that, which as you know, for CRT, that's humongous. And it thing weighs a ton. But I had a client that just gave it to me, and it's sitting in my garage. I can't fit it in my game rooms uh, comfortably, and it is only NTSC, because if it was PAL-2, I would have just made room for it. Um, but it's sitting in my garage, and I don't know what to do with it. I, I can't bring myself to throw away or recycle a CRT, um, so I'm still kind of looking to see if anyone wants it in my local sphere. If you live in the local Northern California area and you want it, you're welcome to it. Um, but otherwise, it's just going to sit in my garage for a while. Anyway, that's my segment for this month. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments or want to um, talk to me about CRTs, please email me at podcast at pixelguiden.com. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at atduhproject, D-U-H project. All right, thanks. I'll see you next month.
0: Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's Tea Time with Tim.
2: And coming up next on Pixel Guide N, it's Tea Time with Tim. This time on Tea Time with Tim, we're going to be talking about the Britsoft era. Arguably one of the most important eras in computer game history, where bedroom coders and entrepreneurs turned their ideas into a multi-million pound industry and produced some of the most iconic games of all time. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, a computing revolution was taking place. Home computers and gaming consoles were starting to appear in the homes as a form of entertainment. Industrious people were realising that the machines that were built to speed up processes in businesses can be turned to produce games that can be entertaining. In the UK, the computing and gaming took a slightly different course than that of other countries like in America. In the UK, the home micro was king and not the console. The computing movement was being born out not from big corporates like Apple, IBM and Commodore, but from the small business entrepreneurs like Sir Clive Sinclair and Lord Alan Sugar. From such humble beginnings as with Sinclair starting out with calculators and DIY electronics kits, Sir Clive entered into the computing market with the ZX80 and then soon followed up with the ZX81 and the Spectrum. Hot on the heels with these small micros were new small cottage industries writing and producing software to support these computers. Sinclair themselves were writing games and programs for their micros, but often employed the services of other smaller software publishers. Some that are even known to this day, like Hudson Soft of Bomberman fame, who wrote Stop the Express for the ZX Spectrum and was published under the Sinclair label. Out in the rest of the UK, there was a software revolution happening. These often were one-man bands creating some of the most innovative and amazing games for the micros of the early to mid-80s. Some were writing programming and publishing the games themselves. Some would even take them directly to market, and when I say this, I mean literally take them to market. Set up a stall in a town, selling the software they produced, and also not just in markets, but also in computer fairs. In fact, there are several examples of this. Believe it or not, the Stamper brothers, better known as Ultimate Play the Game, started out from their office in Ashby de la Zouche in Leicestershire. They would literally sell and deliver the games themselves at the start. Later on, as their games started to sell in larger and larger quantities, they would look to sell through the traditional distributors here in the UK. Others that spring to mind in the Britsoft era were Lamasoft, who we have spoken before about on the Pixel Guiden podcast, the driving force of which is Jeff Minter, who has gone now almost full circle and is creating new and innovative games from his home in Wales, along with Giles, and also their flock of animals on their small holding. Jeff is creating some amazing new games now, as he did back in the, the day in a similar way designing coding and producing the games himself then you start to look at the bigger software houses like ocean software and imagine software both were started from humble beginnings to become titans of the early 80s churning out title after title from their offices in the northwest of england in a town called liverpool This was an area that defined Britsoft, with Imagine and Ocean software pumping out games at a fast pace, using either in-house employed coders or buying out home-written games and publishing them on their own labels directly. However, Imagine software as it started out grew so quickly and eventually their ambition outstripped their worth, trying to take the humble spectrum to the next level with Mega Games. The first of which would be the much hyped game Bandersnatch. This game was set to push the humble ZX Spectrum beyond its limits, to the point where it was to be released with a hardware add-on that would increase the capabilities of the Spectrum and also protect the game against being copied, which was becoming a real issue for the profit margins on games. Alas, this ambitious title never saw the light of day. Imagine Software as it was, was then wound up due to spiralling debts. There was actually a BBC TV programme filming about the rise of games companies with Imagine at the time, and they documented the whole process of Imagine going out of business. This can still be found on YouTube now, called Commercial Breaks, The Rise and Fall of Imagine Software. It's a compelling watch and just shows the sensational way this company went bust. Compare that with the fortune of Liverpool's other Britsoft powerhouse, Ocean Software. Ocean were formed in 1982 by John Woods. Ocean were well known in the UK for developing titles that tied in with big names for the most part. The first big title would be Daley Thompson's Decathlon. At the time, Daly was a household name for winning gold in the 1980 and 1984 Olympics in the decathlon events. The game is one a lot of people are familiar with in England and it's also synonymous with breaking joysticks. It sold thousands of copies and topped the charts for a while. Then came the movie tie-ins like Rambo, Short Circuit and the absolutely awful Cobra. Ocean would continue to keep pumping out movie and TV related tie-ins along with the odd flash of brilliance like Whizball from Sensible Software. That one reached the high praise of Zap Magazine in July 1987 with an overall score of 96%, a sizzler for sure. Later Ocean would move on to console and 16-bit releases, publishing for the Nintendo NES and the SNES consoles, PlayStation also until it would eventually be sold out to Infograms in 1998. Ocean also acquired the rights to the Imagine Software title and would publish arcade conversions like Hypersports, Yar Ye-Ah Kung Fu, Green Beret and Terror Cresta, to name but a few. They would also employ the musical genius of Martin Galway in several of their games to score amazing SID masterpieces on their Commodore 64 releases. Other software houses of note are Gremlin Graphics, who were again nestled in the northern part of England in the town of Sheffield. Gremlin was founded in 1984 by Ian Stewart. They were well known in the early 8-bit era for the Monty series of games, starting out with Wanted Monty Mole and a classic game loved by one of my Pixel Garden co-hosts, Eric, which was entitled Monty on the Run, with the amazing musical score by Rob Hubbard. Other games of note are Thing on a Spring, featuring the lovable character Thing, who bounces his way round some fiendishly designed levels, again with a stunning Rob Hubbard tune in the background. Thing also makes lots of appearances in Zap64 magazine, in random places in the pages, adding witty comments and sarcastic quips to the re- against the reviewers, along with Rockford from the Boulder Dash games. Other games of note from Gremlin in the early years are Bounder, Trailblazer and Jack the Nipper. They were also prolific on 16 bit formats, releasing the stunning racers based on the Lotus range of cars, a real testimony to what can be done on the Amiga with racing style games. Gremlin are also responsible for publishing the Zool games, like him or loathe him. Gremlin's independence ended in 1999 when they were also purchased by Infograms. Honourable mentions must also go out to Hewson Consultants, who brought us games from The Amazing Mind of Andrew Braybrook, such as Gribly's Day Out, The Amazing Paradroid, and the ultra-slick sideways shooter Euridium. Thalamus Software, who brought us some great shooters like My Namesake, Sanxion, and Delta. Again, both with amazing music by Rob Hubbard. Later on in their publishing timeline, they would bring us the classic Creatures series of games. If you've not played either of those games yet, I would urge you to give them a try. All of these software houses epitomise the Britsoft era and will go down in gaming history as for creating some of the most groundbreaking games and also some absolute trash. But they can't always be hits, can they? Without all these programmers and the fledgling software houses shooting up in the 80s that grew into industry giants, I'm sure you would agree that the gaming landscape would look a lot different these days without these companies. Hope you enjoyed the quick insight into the Britsoft era. See you on the next episode. Bye!
0: All right! (laughs) That was the sound, if you couldn't tell, of Eric popping open a bottle
1: of beer. Yes, so this is our next beer. It is a local uh, Sacramento brewery called Rust Dollar. Is yep. It, is that Rust Dollar? Yeah. X-Q-S-T, California Kolsch.
0: Yep. And these guys are always known for wrapping their beers in burlap, which is interesting. It, yeah. Bottle, Lots of bottles. They never did the can thing. Bottles and wrapping them in burlap.
1: I see your glass there, my friend. And if
0: you uh, drive down Highway 80, you can always see their their uh, hop farm off the side of the road. They have a big sign that says, this is where we grow our hops. And I always feel bad because their hops never work out and they're always dead on the vine. <laughs> 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 I swear they're trying to grow hops there and, and that part's not working, but the beer is good. Yeah. Wherever they're getting their hops, it tastes good. All right. So this is a Kolsch, which is like a... Uh, is that like a check kind of a thing? Yeah. Kolsch? Cheers. Oh, I didn't hit my button. Cheers! So this is uh, a nice light beer after that feast we had earlier. Although I see some... Some chunky goodness in there. It doesn't look to be filtered.
1: No, it's not filtered, and it's uh, California Kolsch. Let's see. Ooh, that is cold. 5.0 alcohol. Um, We are drinking the big bottle, 1.6 fluid ounces. The California Kolsch continues the legacy of Captain Frank Rustaller, himself a Swiss German who immigrated to Sacramento and became California's premier pioneer brewer. All right. Yeah. Go with that. It's a fancy thing with burlap on it. The bottle's got a little burlap wrap on the top.
0: So Kolsch is a bottom-fermented beer mm-hmm. uh, that started to appear in the Cologne region in the early 17th century. So I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to add to our errata from next for next month. Right. <laughs> but I believe I know Cologne, Germany is like French uh, German, like the con- touching. It's German. Yeah. But it's touching France. It's kind of got that French influence.
1: It's touching France. That doesn't sound right. It's I'm sure France doesn't mind.
0: <laughs> it's a good touch. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, actually. P- PG-11 now, at this point.
1: Actually, France might have... All <laughs> right, all right, all right. Might've <laughs> might've
0: They made C-cam, that's all I'm saying. That's right. Mm. Mm. All right, so this is a very crisp... Um, I wouldn't call a Kolsch a summer beer. No, but it's like a crisp. I don't. It feels right for not like right now. I think.
1: Yeah, but this and the this isn't like when we've had these kind of light beers. We Mm. always say that sometimes they're flavorless, and we are like we we downgrade them because this one has some flavor to it.
0: It's got flavor. Yeah, it's one-sided again, or or maybe two.
1: Yeah, there is some stuff floating in here though. It It is chunky. Definitely got some
0: chunk. Yeah, but it tastes very crisp.
1: This is good in a very mm-hmm. good
0: way i it is very good.
1: It's actually a nice follow up to the stout
0: and you never expect this because it comes in a brown bottle so you always think darker yeah, which i guess it, you know it's not a, it's darker than like a budweiser
1: you you picked the rating system this time
0: um, <clears throat> out of twelve Frenchmen
1: <laughs> twelve Frenchmen, okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh French hands. i quite I quite enjoy it, yeah. Twelve. I'm gonna go. Frenchmen. I'm gonna go with ten point six Frenchmen. <laughs> Are I'm, gonna, you? I'm gonna go with with ten Frenchmen and uh, uh, one triple amputee. <laughs> <laughs> ten point six Frenchmen.
1: So you said twelve Frenchmen, huh? Mm-hmm.
0: Cologne, Germany.
1: Now I'm gonna give it a ten. I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, me too. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. That's two beers. Two good beers. And that brings us to the next segment in our show, which we call.
1: Six Good Games. Six Good (laughs) Games! I was so surprised. I I like
0: the confidence
1: in that. Six Good Games? I love how surprised I am at my own show. Like, (laughs) what's next? Really? Six Good Games? We're only on episode 46? Exactly. (laughs) At this point? I think I'd be a season pro by now. No.
0: All right. So, in this game, as we forementioned, we are doing... uh, Actually, I think it was your idea this time.
1: It was my idea based on uh, last Halloween, which was a week or two ago. I played my... uh, I had a big Dungeons & Dragons game. A real live board game. That's right.
0: I saw pictures. I'm so jealous. Did it work out?
1: Oh, it worked out great. I mean, uh, I think... My kids got a little bored with it after about the fifth hour, which, I mean, I, you can't expect kids these days to hang in there too long, you know? Um, but me and my neighbor and his brother, Jim, we were digging it. We wanted to keep going. We were just having a blast. Well, that's the beauty
0: of it. You can keep
1: going later. Yep. So we did. We packed everything up, and we're going to continue the, the journey later.
0: Um, can I hop in with my um, you can half-elf <laughs> character I created? In my head, five minutes ago.
1: Well, I told my neighbor, I said, yeah, next time we gotta get coding on this, and maybe you could just take the place of one of my kids and just take over his character or something."
0: I don't want some somebody else's dirty dwarf <laughs> character. I'm Gloramir, the half elf. I I am chaotic good.
1: Chaotic good. All right. So that's how I picked my game. Six good dungeon games, and dungeon games can mean whatever you want them to mean. So if it has a dungeon in it, but it's games
0: not. as of or pertaining to a dungeon.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to have dungeons in it the whole time. It can have dungeons part of the time or whatever, but there are so many games to choose from that I actually had a hard time picking because I wanted to pick some games that um, weren't more mainstream. So I bit, did play quite a few dungeon games, but the funny thing is I did come back to just some games that I love and have loved over the years. So, But I'm well, eager, I'm eager to share them.
0: Very cool. I've and, got the first one up here on video.
1: Yeah, and so I'll start with this first one, and I hope you can chime in here, because I know you've played this before. I have. So, our good friend, I and I, and do you, do you, would you pronounce this Johan or Johan? Or?
0: Uh, I'd say Johan, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Johan. Johan Peets, and I follow him on Twitter, and we have discussions all the time, and uh, not just because he's friendly, but the reason I became friends with him because I was praising his Pico Eight games, and he has a ton of Pico Eight games that he's made.
0: It also sounds like he descends from like the Cologne region.
1: <laughs> Cologne <Just> region. By... <laughs> I don't think he's a Frenchman. <laughs> no, um, German. It's completely German, exactly. different. Um, he is. Um, I, I he's made quite a few Pico Eight games, though. I think. has he? Okay, and um, <clears throat> one of the games that I've praised before in the past is curse of the leash is that leash? lich king is lich, that- lich king yeah,
0: yeah I, I always said lich but i yeah. think you're
1: probably right lich king <clears throat> um this game uh is a roguelike style game um it is a game that i think there's eight is there eight levels to this
0: I don't remember the, the amount of levels, but that sounds about right. It's a yeah, l- little more than a handful.
1: I think there's eight levels, and you are a little character. And remember, this is Pico 8, so everything's little. I mean, this is a, basically a kind of a handheld-style um, gaming platform. Or I wouldn't say handheld, but it's the, gla- the graphics are somewhat rudimentary or retro-style uh, graphics, if you're not familiar with Pico 8. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a roguelike, so you every turn you move, then the enemies move. And In
0: this game it happens uh, I want to say simultaneously, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, is it? I don't know if it's actually something. No, plays. I think you're
0: right. It is turn based.
1: Yeah, I think I, it's turn based. Right. Um you basically go around. You there's they'll be like pots here and there. You crack through the pots. Your goal is to get through the level and find the exit, and then you descend one more level in the dungeon. And I believe the goal is to get through eight levels, if I remember, because I just played this like a couple days ago, and I think I got to level seven, and okay. I was like, I was really close to beating it, yeah, and I got killed along the way. You'll find apples and carrots and upgraded weapons and. Some of things like that.
0: Careful, some are cursed.
1: Yep, exactly, and some are cursed. And you pick them up, and if you use them, they do something bad to you. Usually, like they take a hit point away, or something happens. Um, the game is is has like what's called the fog of war. Like you can't see and mm-hmm. anything until you've entered the room. So it creates and some... you have to see around
0: corners. You can't see on the other right. side of the wall until you go around that corner.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I love that effect. Um I remember it on even basic strategy games on the Converse 64 back when I was a kid called the Fog of War. And mm-hmm. it just makes games a little more exciting. Um I've played this over and over. I've beaten it once or twice, but most of the time you get killed because it can. If you don't stock up on goodies to increase your life, you know you you walk in a room with four or five guys, you're probably gonna die. Hmm. So you have Mm -hmm. to be you have to use your strategy. And if you see too many in the fog, you got to use the fog of war to your advantage. So if you go into a room and you see one or two, deal with those guys first before you illuminate the rest of the room. Yep, because the fog of war works both ways; they can see you. So i love this game it's my go-to kind of pico eight relaxing kind of kickback game just to see how many levels i can get down and um i i really like this one you've played it right
0: yeah this game would be in my probably top three pico eight games
1: i think you're right i think me too
0: i have played it twice the first time i died at like three levels in and the second time i beat it yeah now I think that is because the way I play games, mm-hmm. I'm watching the person on the playthrough or watching on YouTube here, and they just go into a room and start attacking stuff as if there's no turns, and they're going nuts and getting everyone's getting hurt. Yeah, I would sit there, like go one square in, see one enemy, then like walk away, and then try to find a way to go. I'll have to go if I have to go back six rooms to get to the point where the enemy is now just enough sh- uh, places away for me to get the first hit. Yep, then I will do it. Right. So I was do I was just you know, I played it took, a lot
1: more strategy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even then I still can't beat this every time I play it because sometimes you do can't you can get unlucky in this game where you get don't find enough things to get yeah. more hit points or whatever. But it's part of the charm of the game. Like you don't want to be able to beat it every single time and and like I said I beat it a couple of times. I probably played this game a total of, you know, maybe 15 12 15 times. Wow, I think yeah. I beat it two or three times. It's fun. So it's this game,
0: it, when I, I first played it, when I first turned it on, I didn't really play it because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And you, you talked to me about it in one of our Pico Eight episodes. Yeah. And you basically told, explained to me, this is essentially the quintessential roguelike. Like This is mm-hmm. the original game Rogue. Yeah. It's essentially this, just this is prettier. Pretty much, yeah. And so this is where I learned what a roguelike, like this is my standard for what a roguelike is. Yeah. And this is where I learned it. And this is now I now I am interested in playing roguelike games because of this game.
1: Yeah. And a lot of them use these same mechanics to varying effects. And in fact, spoiler alert, my next one is a roguelike 2, which I think you'll love. So we'll talk about that because I know you haven't played it yet. But um, And then
0: the final boss, of course, is against the Lich King.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a
0: blast! And
1: don't give away any too many spoilers. It's
0: called the turn <laughs> of the Lich King. You, That's true. What do you expect? It says it right in the beginning. I think it you're says, right. Go descend to the yep. dungeon and find the Lich King and kill him. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Fine,
1: great game. And if you don't, if you haven't experienced Pico Eight yet, go buy it and get into it. Pico Eight.
0: Pico to me, $14.99 and the games are all free. So
1: yeah, fourteen ninety nine. Games are all free. Games are all good. I mean, well, I don't want to say that. They're not all good. It's that like is some, very not true, some of them but are there are a really lot of garbage. good games. But you can find a lot of really, really, really good games. I'm. It's one of the the platforms I'm enjoying the most in my gaming these days.
0: I need to get back. I haven't turned Pico 8 on in a few months. I need to do it again. We need to do another episode Pico 8 related.
1: You've got to update your Pico 8, too, because a lot of new... The, they that just came out with an update a month ago, and like there's a lot of games breaks already. Breaks everything. Like, it's funny, when you launch a game that is... it. W- that uses the new version, it'll say future version. You yeah. must upgrade. And like I, I, st- I, I launched mine the other day and was trying to play a few games. I was like every game, that. and I was like, okay, I got to go update. Yep. And I did, and it's simple to update. So
0: yep, very cool. cool.
1: All right, I'm ready for your first one.
0: So my first game, you might have heard of it before. <laughs> so now let me let me just put it this way: <clears throat> I apparently don't love a lot of dungeon games. Okay. Um, especially when you think of a lot of dungeon games, you think of I do at least I do now of a game, what do they call it? Dungeon Crawlers. Yeah. Which there was a ton on like the Amigas and computers mm-hmm. like that. And I thought instantly of Dungeon Master, which I started to get into. I found some enjoyment in that one. Okay. But for the most part, I've never fallen in love with any dungeon crawler games. Okay. So, um Diablo is essentially a, it's a mixture between a dungeon crawler and um cannon fodder okay because you literally just point and click on stuff yeah i mean it's but it's got really atmospheric music um and sound i guess sound design is what i'm going for um I'm, most people know what this game is so i probably don't need to say a whole lot about it but it's been a while now and i know when this game came out it took the world by storm and uh diablo 2 was even better but it, it's uh it's the game that created the concept of um what do they call uh Loot What do they call it I'm totally, totally forgetting on it for What it's called
1: Oh um I know what you're talking about um, Like loot um...
0: It's basically they, It created the, the concept of like The 20 second um, cycle Where every 20 seconds you, you end up fighting something And you kill them And you get their stuff And you open a chest And get more stuff And you just fill up with loot And you get to go back and sell it To make more money To go buy more loot and you're, it's basically uh, consumerism in a video game. <laughs> right. Um, but it's literally, you're, you're a, a person. It's kind of like Dungeons & Dragons. You get to create a character. And you, you point and click on this isometric 3D. Um, great isometric game, which normally I don't like. Um, all these dungeons where enemies are attacking you. You go into rooms. They see you. Kind of fog of war kind of a thing. And you click on them repeatedly to attack them with whatever you've got going or else you can stop the game and select a spell and attack them. Um, you're opening coffins and chests and looting things and getting points and spells and upgrading. And it's just constant progression. Yeah, right. It just feeds that, that um, whether you think you do or don't have that in you it's in you, and this game will pull it out. Just your this feeding of like, cool, I get more and more and more, and I get to update things. And now I get this. And now I get this. Ooh, look at that spell! I want to get there, so I'm going to go that way and do this and this and upgrade this stat. And um, you know, a little map can I just saw over there? A little map popped up that over the top of what you're doing, so it doesn't slow you down to see where you're going. Um, and the uh, the GUI at the bottom of your screen, you know, it's got this stone marble look to it and it's known for having your health in one orb on one side and your uh, magic power in a blue orb on the other side. And I'm always a sucker for any game that has an inventory system like this where you actually put like your helmets or headgear on top of your head and then your shields on your right. one arm and your other hand or two weapons. And <clears throat> just, I mean, there's literally hundreds of thousands of ways you can prepare a character for this game. Um, it is not a terribly difficult game. It is just a game you feel all powerful in as you progress.
1: Yeah.
0: And of course it's a dark medieval game in which you are you know, typical Dungeons and Dragons wizards and warriors kind of a thing.
1: I remember when Diablo came out and I mean it it did take the world by storm literally. I mean it it there were the the company I worked for Prima Games at the time came out with a strategy guide for it and, and I could go I could walk down like a I could walk down the cubes in Prima and like tons of people were playing this game all at once. Yeah. Yeah, this was a big deal when it came out.
0: Which is funny because were they doing it on their own accord or were they all told, hey, we're going to make a guide. Everyone in this whole place play this one game. I doubt it.
1: uh, it (laughs) Yeah, no. Once they were done with the thing, they would take their favorite games and just keep playing them. Um,
0: That totally seems like a place where after everyone finished their eight-hour workday, they would just stay there. And well, just play games.
1: Well, I'm going to do some Eric's takes in the future that are going to. I've been I've been kind of compiling my my memories of working at Prima, and I mean the games that we would play. Like we would play Command and Conquer, Age of Empires, um, Unreal Tournament. We would stay after work and play those. We weren't playing yep. during the day, but. Everyone was set up on a, on a LAN, which back then in 1996, 97, yeah. it wasn't that popular to do, but we already had one set up at work.
0: Yeah, you didn't have to all like gather somewhere <laughs> on the weekend, set up all your computers, yep. and all update games for the first day, and then the second day, maybe play.
1: So we would play these <laughs> games after hours for hours and hours, go out and get dinner, come back, and play till 9, 10 at night, and then go home. Perfect. But anyway, so Diablo brings back good memories, because that was that time era, and there were a lot of people playing Diablo. It's fantastic. So that is a good one. And, and you know what? I got a Diablo sequel. I can't remember Diablo three on the Xbox three hundred and sixty. That one's a blast. Oh yeah, and I have it, and I I still go back to it now and t- now and again and play that. It is it is an awesome game. It follows the same mechanics, same kind of orbs. Or I have
0: whatever. I have Diablo three on my PlayStation three there, yep. and I played a total of like maybe an hour, and it didn't grab me the same. I don't know why.
1: Oh, it's all it's great. I think, great. A, I think a big game. part of it
0: is that it. It works best with a mouse. Just clicking on stuff.
1: That's true. I mean, if you use the PC that. version, yeah, you're right. You're right. So this uh, the second one is called One Hundred Rogues, and I play it mainly on my Ouya. which is cool. Which I know you're still working on getting your Uya rooted, and
0: I shouldn't say working on it. I have neglected to do it until that's fine. Hopefully I mean, soon.
1: But you pick in the beginning of this game. You pick. Um, one of four characters there's like a a crusader which is like the kind of average game there's a wizard there's an elf that isn't like an archer or whatever you pick a specific character and they have special traits that help them through the game um but it is a roguelike so you take a turn they take a turn you can see the flipping i can coin. tell
0: just by the way he's moving on the screen yep. everything is grid based even though you don't physically see the grid correct
1: and you can see that coin flipping which says, Hey, it's your turn. So you can literally stop, go get a go get dinner, go get a drink or whatever, come go back. Go get your ramen. Go get your ramen and then come back and play. You basically are going through these dungeon levels and you have an inventory system, like the like you yep. can see where you find potions and food, you find weapons, and one cool feature of this game is if you pick up a shield, but you don't you're not going to use it because you already have a shield. You can use that shield as a weapon. You can throw it at somebody. Okay. So it it creates a neat element, and if you're using a a magic user, you can go to that screen. and You can find scrolls that give you new, um, that give you new like um, spells that you can cast or whatever. It has a very elaborate kind of. Um, it's not elaborate. It's it's actually pretty basic, but for a rogue like there's a skill tree so you Mm -hmm. can like get skill points and increase it so that you can cast different and more advanced type of uh again i
0: love that progressive stuff that
1: yep so this one this is a roguelike but it has skill tree has an inventory system has updated weapons it's almost like an rpg and a roguelite squished into one um this i will tell you and see how you can bind you can bind like spells or whatever to Mm -hmm. the controller um it's really neat this is like your health on the side. This is your how much magic you have. And then also um, on the side there is your stamina. But you, um, this is probably my top two Ouya games of all time. I mean, it
0: looks really fun. It, it drives me nuts watching the people on these play, Let's Plays, yeah. how they play these games. Cause I'm like, dude, you are awful at this. Yeah. I like, I've never played like this game and your strategy is terrible. Yeah. Um, not trying to be all like, no, but knows about it, but he's
1: rushing in and yeah. should. and see, he just leveled up. He should be going to that skill tree and using that level up because you get a point to uh, upgrade your skill tree and you should skill upgrade your skill tree whenever you can. So it is a roguelike in an RPG all mashed into one. Now, I do think you can get this game on other platforms. Yeah, this
0: I... just says running on Android N.
1: Yeah, so I think you can get it on Android so you could actually play it on your phone or a tablet. Um, but I played on the Ouya where it excels because you have the nice controller yeah. that you can use. I let's, love this. I need to get game. my Ouya
0: going. Let's, let's and Ouya see. There's, this. Even,
1: there's even shops. So you can go mm-hmm. into shops and buy things that you need. Um, I love 100 Rogues. So that is my second pick.
0: What I think is interesting about this, too, is, and you can't, from you discussing it, you can't really get this, but it's it's got a much more cartoony casual style to it yeah almost looks like when menus come up like it's a playing card right more than like a deep di- like diablo which is this dark moody somber thing this is like bright right. colors uh cartoony outlined characters and then i don't i'm only seeing this one level right now but you're like this knight with a big old metal helmet yeah but in this level you're fighting cowboys yeah so it's almost like it looks like it might be some kind of mashup, like right not taking itself too seriously Yep, and but all th- the mechanics are there.
1: Yep, and there are kind of like a like little bit of humor here and there, like in the little uh, flavor text when you pick up items and stuff like that. Um, I love it. It's a great game. Um, y- once you get your UU up, it's the first thing you should download, I think.
0: Awesome. Cool. My next dungeon game also has dungeon in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played Dungeon Keeper?
1: I've never played it before.
0: Do you know what it is? Nope. Don't really? Know what this? This game got really big for a short period of time, okay? And I, cuz I remember it being a game I wanted cuz it just looked so up my alley. Yeah. Uh and it was, you know, full price game like a year later it was like 14.99. That's when I bought it when I was younger. Okay. And of course, it, it's it's a game that is was on DOS but also Windows 95.
1: Bullfrog, which is a very popular Amiga. Uh
0: see, I knew Bullfrog mostly from um my Mac days. Okay. Cuz like they had a lot of games on the Mac as well. Okay. Um which there's a lot of crossover there, and now I know why. It's that 6800 processor, right? That's right, yeah. Um, but what was cool about this game, and, it, you know, it was a big box PC game, and I remember the, these FMV cutscenes and stuff, but the concept is basically one of my favorite types of game, which is um, like a, a City style god game. Well, yep. But the concept is you are a dungeon keeper. You are basically the bad guy. Okay. And you are creating these underground dungeons, and, uh, I mean, you have to build things, and you can, like you can see here, he's rotating this top-down...
1: I do like that you can rotate the camera like that.
0: Yeah, isometric view. And uh, I mentioned on the show before that I love Theme Park, the game Theme Park. Yeah, me too. And if you remember on Theme Park, you could rotate things yes, and build things, yep. and then you could also, it was huge, if you had the PC version of the games, or, or in my case, Mac, you could actually, uh, like, make roller coasters and stuff, and then... Have a first person view of going on the rides. Yeah. And this did a similar thing. Um, you're making these dungeons, and you have the workers for these dungeons are like imps. Okay. Are different minions, but you basically create imps, and, uh, you're creating these rooms of the dungeons, and you're, you might want a treasury to keep your money in. You're going to want, um, you know various machines and things to raise imps uh, to create more workers. You're going to want to create uh, chicken hatcheries so they have food. So you, you know you're, it's a it's a uh, typical kind of Sim City style god game. Um, but then you can also put yourself into one of the imps and walk around and check out your dungeon as in first person as an imp. Oh wow! It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you're trying to find different streams of gold or gems to basically fund your dungeon. Um, you want to find these portals, and in uh, the portals, that's where basically, as your dungeon gets more profitable and larger, uh, different minions will show up. They could be like ghosts, and I can't remember all the different um, uh, different evil things that come in—skeletons and things like that—and they'll h- live in your dungeon, basically your underground city, and fight for you. Um, and basically, as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, all of a sudden, heroes will start showing up trying to. Take down your dungeon because you're evil. Yeah, and if they can claim the heart of the dungeon, which is where what you start with, um, then you lose. And uh, it's basically this campaign-driven underground god simulator.
1: That's right. I've, no, I've never played this. Super <clears> cool. <throat> the
0: um, the the reticle that you use instead of it being an arrow it's a hand so you can pick up imps and drop them places if you want okay if they're not working fast enough you can slap them <laughs> <laughs> um which actually lowers their health and their morale but it makes them work faster for a brief period of time um i mean i could talk about all the different intricacies uh i don't remember them all but i play yeah training room so you can upgrade uh the level of your, your imps and your min your minions.
1: It's got a super u- cool. It's got a unique graphic style.
0: Really dark. See, he's slapping the heck out of him right yeah. now. Really dark sense of humor.
1: Yeah.
0: Here you go. Now we're at first-person view, running around with the imps, looking at stuff. Looks like somebody died there. Oh, there's a battle going on here <laughs> between a hero and something. Um, super cool. And then the whole time, there's this um, this kind of dark overlord voice telling you like what you do or what to watch out for. Like, heroes have entered the East Passage, and then... You know, things you might want to be aware of to help you not forget something or not notice something.
1: Yeah. Oh, it looks like a great game. Yeah.
0: It's a game that I probably couldn't play nowadays because I don't have 60 hours to pour into it. But I loved it at the time. And uh, I I mean, even the way it is, even though it's kind of pixely, the graphics are just fine.
1: Yeah. For what it's
0: doing. I mean, it looks great.
1: Well, for now, it fits the bill. It's very kind of retro pixel graphics, but it looks really good. Cool. I didn't Dungeon even know Keeper. That ex- yeah. I, I, I'm sure I've heard of it, but.
0: So I'm two for two on PC games.
1: <laughs> Good. I'm going to bring this back home. Yeah. So this, I have to admit, my next pick is a little bit nostalgia, but this was one of the very first cartridges I ever got on the Commerce 64. So it was an early, early title. But I remember going to Toys R Us. I remember buying this, I remember I love the it. box. The box was black and had stripes like a stripe on it said Gateway Tapshire by Epics. Um it i I can tell you right now it is probably the very first action RPG I've ever played.
0: Okay, so, this is, this should be considered an action RPG. Well, it's
1: like when you meet, meet an enemy you swing a sword and you um so you're you're picking up things. You're basically a guy and it th- this really has very 8-bit graphics. I mean for this is an early Commodore 64 game. Yeah. But you have a little guy, he has a sword, so you can see he's thwacking that spider. Um, and he's going through a dungeon that is procedurally generated. I mean, these are all random yeah. things. But you are trying to go through different levels. And you know what? <laughs> this has eight levels, not the Leech King. I don't remember how many levels the uh, Leech King has.
0: The Leech King does... Lich King, whatever, does... Does I have believe the, have eight as well. Okay,
1: this one does as well. This has okay. eight levels, too. <laughs> so that's pretty It's pretty crazy that both of them have eight levels. But you use the function keys on this to scroll through a menu that allows you to cast spells, to check for poison traps. Did this come with an overlay for the keyboard? This would this one did not. Oh, this one did it. not because there were only two or three keys that you need to remember, which are function oh, okay. keys that tell you what it, through the menu. I had lots of games on the sixty four that had overlays though, and I loved every one of them. I thought they were great. But <laughs> I'm this sure one, you can you,
0: print one up for it nowadays though.
1: You go through here, and it is a score based game. If you can notice, so when you find treasure and stuff, you just add to your score. So you can play this game as a high score game, but you go around, you find keys, you find items and it's a very basic action rpg but i have so many even through through the years with my Commodore 64 even in the later years like where i was getting more advanced games like mission impossible and ghostbusters and and gunship and things that were more advanced i still found myself going back to this a lot because it is a simple premise but i love this game i mean this was the, the genesis of dungeon games for me. <clears throat> um, I, I, I could still play this game. I still love it.
0: Yeah, so I have tried it. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I remember having to look at a manual and kind of find out the, what the keys are. Yep. And I got the premise of it. Um, this one had not clicked with me yet. So, But I could see all the, all the, uh, all the parts are there.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it is a basic game. So I mean, you're not going to get your flashy, you know, 3D graphics or whatever. It is a very basic early Commodore 64 game, but uh, there's something about it as simple that I love. It's kind of like that kind of, uh, you know, that 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 homemade meal. The, the <laughs> you know, the going home. Like this is my this is my soul food that I go home and yeah. eat. But no, I, I no love very cool.
0: Yep. I think I just never came to terms with how <clears> to <throat> battle enemies. You just swing your sword, but you don't just swing your sword because if you just swing your sword, they're going to hurt you. You kind of have to attack, then run, then turn around and attack, then That's run, right. then turn. So they don't
1: hit you, but yeah. you can get bows and arrows, so you could actually do distance stuff too. If you find that he hasn't in this video, he hasn't found one yet. But
0: now that I've played it, it actually reminds me um, of a not too much earlier uh, Dungeons and Dragons for um, television.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. The not the. Yeah, you're right. There's two Dungeons & Dragons games, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, this, is, this would be kind of like one of them, yeah.
0: There's, you have your characteristics and yep. strength, agility, luck, health, lives. Yep, solid game. I know this is a huge classic. When I first got my Commodore 64, Yep. thanks to you, <laughs> I mean, I bought it myself, but you're the one that told me about it. Yeah. I remember I was at my daughter's swim practice, and I was talking with some friends who were a little older than me, and he's like, oh, you got a Commodore 64? And he, the first two games he mentioned were... Uh Gateway to Apshai. Yeah. And Rat uh Radar Rat Race. Radar which Rat was, Race is a great one. Oh, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> really? I love it.
0: But I do like Gateway to Apshai. I do I do yeah. appreciate it. And the, this is
1: a sequel. The the first one was Temple of Apshai. That's right. But that's- it was slower. Um it wasn't it wasn't action, it was more of a turn-based kind of oh, game. Oh, okay. So this, this came out later, Gateway to Apshai, and made it a little more action-oriented.
0: Gotcha. And I know this is the one I played. See, I like the Since arrows. He's shooting arrows. Oh, right. it's funny, because he just holds an arrow in front of him, and he let like, go and like shoots off. That's right. Love it. And he's opening gates. Looks like it does have like the fog of war, basically, but it's more... Correct, yeah. If you're in a room or not. Yep. Very cool. I love it. I, I yeah. I could see if I gave myself the time, I could see myself getting into this definitely. Yep. Did you ever beat it, or is it a game that you just never beat? As a
1: kid, I think I have memories of beating it. I, if, if I remember right, and I could be wrong on this, so you can any of our listeners can hit me up on errata You get to <laughs> level eight, and if you beat it. It gives you a little thing saying, hey, you beat the game, but then it just gives you another level 8 that's harder to do. And- See, I always
0: hated that about these games, because yeah. I always started my video game career, if you will, yeah. uh, in with games that you could beat. And the goal is to beat it. And the fact that there was mm-hmm. a score on there was always annoying to me, because I'm like, why does it matter? Right. Like, I want to beat the game. Yeah. But yeah, there are games where, yeah, you once you quote-unquote beat it, it just starts over again, but harder. Yeah, it and just keeps going. It's like,
1: <clears throat> and if I remember uh, right, this will gets to level eight, and then you technically have beaten it, but it will keep going through level eight, except it's harder and harder and harder. Yeah. It does
0: look like Fun. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I get the final game, Eric. Yes, you do. The final game that I have put on here. I've never game, heard of it. Have you not? Never. I think you have, but you're you don't you don't recognize it yet. Okay. So it's called Shadows Over Mistara. Uh, it's actually a Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons game.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: And my weak link to the fact that, uh, it's a dungeon game is because it's Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Yeah, that's fine. (laughs)
0: Uh, this is a game that you and I need to play together. Okay. Um, so I owned this on the Saturn. It was an arcade game. Yeah. Originally. Okay. And, uh, Japanese only, I believe. Yeah. The Sega Saturn game was absolutely, uh... Japanese only. Let me pull up the. um, I'm trying to pull up a video here so Eric can join along with me. I'm gonna bring up the Saturn version. Okay. So you can see that there's some English, but there's also like the story is in uh, Japanese. Yeah.
1: But I do see it's officially licensed Dungeons and Dragons. It is. They got the icon and everything.
0: So this is a gorgeous like 32-bit side-scrolling brawler.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like a gauntlet. Or it was not Gauntlet um,
0: You're going to say Golden Axe Golden Axe, yes But this is much more high res Much yeah. more going on um, But what's crazy about this But big sprites Is big It's um, I believe the arcade was like up to four players Ooh, yeah I think it's two players on the Saturn version um, Big chunky sprites And you can see you just played through the first level And now you enter your name Yeah So you're creating a character Yeah Just like you would in a Dungeons and Dragons game And what's crazy about it is It's a brawler RPG Yeah So you're attacking people, you're gaining points You get to spend those on a skill tree You get to buy spells and things And the way this game is set up You can't just attack your way through it You have to use spells You have to set yourself up for different situations um, Where where other things Will help you get out of things There's a chest, like that one had a trap on it That would hurt you if you didn't run away Um, there's loot, there's all kinds of things, um, levels that end with bosses, but then you get to choose your path. Yeah. And so you can play through this game multiple different times, different sets of characters with different paths to do different stories, different levels. There's a ton to it. Um, trying to, let me fast forward here where you can see, I mean, some of these characters are screen filling these, these enemies.
1: I love the graphic style.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um. I mean it's just super cool. It's highly regarded as like one of the best Saturn games that exist. Now, the one on the Saturn is cool because it's actually two arcade games in one. Okay. Dungeons and Dragons Shadow over Mystara is the second brawler. Yeah. Uh the first one I want to say was called Temple of something. Totally going to forget right now, but um and it 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 started the concept, but it wasn't as good. The second one is where it's at.
1: Okay.
0: Um You can also buy this collection on the Switch. Oh, really? Which is cool because it's been translated. So you can actually follow the storyline and you can actually tell what you're buying and what weapons and things you're, um, or or spells you're casting. Um, So I would love to play this with you via Switch. That would be neat. Um,
1: Let me write this down because I'm going to, maybe I'll buy this so that I can try to get at least somewhat decent so I, I don't embarrass myself. There
0: you go. See, this is the Saturn version. (laughs) You can see all the the Japanese there.
1: Yeah. No, I see that. And I think it would be cool to get actually for my Saturn if it's not super expensive.
0: See, you you can't read that here, but you get a choice. So I can't remember what the choice is here, but it's something like, you know, so-and-so is begging at his knees, do you kill him or do you, like, let him live? Or, you know, there's some of those Dungeons & Dragons choices that you don't know what the right choice is or what the outcome is going to be, but you have to make a choice. Um so this, for example, is a playthrough of the game,
1: and this was an arcade game. Yeah, too? Wow. yeah.
0: So this is a, a playthrough, and you can see one playthrough. If you can survive that long, which I've never been able to survive a very long single player, yeah, is an hour and fifteen minutes. So wow. Yep, super cool game.
1: That looks great, and I I love Golden Axe. So if it's even similar to that in, <laughs> a little bit, then I
0: and it is Capcom. So it's a good old Capcom. Oh, cool. You can see the the uh, character select screen at the beginner has all your typical Dungeons & Dragons characters, your thief, your elf, dwarf, fighter, um, magic user, yeah, <laughs> or cleric. So, you know, when you're playing in teams, you don't want to get a whole bunch of fighters. You kind of have, all right, we need a cleric to heal us. We need probably one magician, maybe a fighter or a dwarf. You know, you kind of put so your team together.
1: Is the Switch one, does it include those two games, or is it just the one game?
0: I believe it does have both.
1: Wow. That's pretty neat. And all translated, huh? Yep. That's pretty amazing. Cool. Six good
0: dungeon games.
1: I think those were six excellent games. Let's talk about some honorable mentions. Will do. So the first, uh, let me grab these two. The first two that I I wrote down here were Ultima Four on the C64, which we've talked about a you lot talked on about the show so much. Which I loved. It. it was probably one of, I mean, a top three game for me on the Commodore 64. I loved it, and it had dungeon elements, but I, I won't go into it. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on the PS2 I beat that game, I loved it We both I, did I, I still go back to it Because it is one of my favorite games Well
0: now you gotta play Champions of Norath Which is yeah, that's true. the same engine, just yeah. a different game
1: Yep, you're right um, Go ahead with your other one, I have one more after that too
0: Oh okay, the one, the one I threw down on here is Again, we've already talked about it So I couldn't pick it And it's great But Dungeon Explorer and Dungeon Explorer 2 On the PC engine Which is basically like a souped up more fun, graphically impressive gauntlet yeah. type of game.
1: Yeah, and I, I've played that one, and I love it. Now, this next one I'm going to mention is a more modern game, but I do want you to get it if you don't have it.
0: Okay. Okay. You
1: ready? I'm going to tell you this, and I need you to... Okay. Don't, I, I don't see a pen in your hand. You're going to write this down. <laughs>
0: I, don't, I need to draw okay. the little boxes.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: Legend of Grim Rock. Have you heard of that? Legend of... Grim Rock. Grim Rock. That sounds somewhat familiar, but I'm going to say no. I love this game, and I have it on Steam. It is a modern game, but it is a dungeon crawler, kind of like those old Amiga games. Um, it is so good and smooth and intuitive. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So, watch this. So, like, he... I mean, I don't know if this person's playing, but... These are the graphics, but it is like that Amiga game. What is that? Um, dungeon Master. Dungeon Master. It is like that, but so much better. I mean, yeah. this game, you, you, you it is kind of turn-based. You're going through a dungeon, which and I there like. Are, there are little puzzles to solve. There are that inventory system you said you love, where you, you know, you you drag things, you drag the pants onto him, drag the yeah, tunic yeah. onto him. Has that. It has four members, two are in the back, two are in the front, so you put your magic users in the back because they're casting stuff. Uh But you can just drag and drop them. It's all intuitive. So even if you didn't read through a manual or instructions, it's pretty easy to learn how to do it. Um, I played this this weekend because I was going to pick this, but I decided to go against it because it wasn't a retro game.
0: Oh, whatever. You should have picked it. This is great. Well, that's
1: why I mentioned it now. Legend of Grimrock. Now, there is a Legend of Grimrock 2, and I haven't played that yet but i've heard that this is still the best one to get like oh, okay. the other one is good but this one is the definitive one this is so good man i mean <laughs> you, you you do have to get if you want to okay. ever, if you ever wanted to get into those games but you were like oh, i don't know you know this and that this is the one to get into if you're going to get into one i mean it's so deep and very rpg you click on your characters down here you can put all that that the thing in the bottom shows their hands and you can put weapons in their hands or you can just click on their hands to slap uh, an enemy or whatever <laughs> very easy and like little like puzzles to solve the open doors and find keys and stuff it, it's a great game um i highly recommend it and it's pr- really cheap on steam
0: all right it looks really good all right sold
1: sold okay. sold
0: cool that's it six good games that's a show that's not only a segment oh, that is a wow. show that
1: is a show good all right let's wrap this good <laughs> no i was I'm just not. starting to have fun eric i'm eager to get to the second <laughs> show
0: that's right well we will continue on with our second half of this month's show yeah in just a short 15 days or so
1: yeah because we gotta eat turkey yeah well that okay. whole thing you gotta eat turkey. What? what you don't like thanksgiving now you know, Man, that you don't whole thing like no i love thanksgiving all right <laughs>
0: In fact, I love it so much, I'm going to ask Tim what he's doing for Thanksgiving on the next show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, next show we'll do uh, uh, the Battle of Systems with a couple of good first-person shooters. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. We'll catch up. I did uh, throw together a game show last minute here, but I think it'll be entertaining as always. Awesome. And, uh, we, and we'll have Tim with us. And we got some catching up to do with Tim. So. Yeah, that'll be fun. Good times. Right on. Let's wrap this up. I think we shall. So remember, it's it's dangerous dangerous to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore gaiden, And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.